You're listening to The Next Dimension. Dragon Ball Z presents The Red Ribbon Androids, Vegeta Returns, and Dr. Giro's Laboratory. It's a laboratory. It's a laboratory. It's a laboratory. <laughs> I am Jesse Garrett, and with me is my co-host, Donovan Morgan Grant. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Next Dimension Dragon Ball Z podcast. we be talking robots this episode in the month of February. Yeah, that's what, that's what time we're in. Um, we're deep in the Android saga, and we're going to continue. Before then, though, Jesse, how you been? I have been great. This new year is starting off pretty good for me. How about you? It's been a busy couple of weeks, um, but it's busy is always good, and I'd rather rather be busy than you know, I don't know, lying on the street doing nothing. <laughs> uh, it's been good. It's been good, and we hope our listeners have been good as well. So uh, we got some news, we got some emails, and we got some synopsis. It's going to be a fairly uh, basic and solid episode of the next submission because every episode we do is the best one ever. So uh, before we get into the emails, I'll just cover some recently uh, announced. Dragon Ball Z news, if, it's, if I'm not mentioning it already, and there's a chance that I have. Um, for one, the manga is going to be re-released in uh, full-colored edition, which is which I find is really interesting. I know Kanzen Shu, as always, has uh, more of the details, but basically, for those of you who don't know, the manga, despite uh, you know some covers and some special issues, which did have colors like uh, Goku vs. Vegeta, the, the overwhelming majority, like 95% of it, is in black and white. Uh, as is every Japanese comic in Japan. But for this, uh, they are actually going to re-release it and have it fully colored. Um, now, this is in Japan, so I'm not sure how, how if this is going to be sent over to the States. Is If you go into your local bookstore and pick up volumes of the Dragon Ball Z manga, um, some of the three-volume three collections have uh, colored issues, but they're still mostly black and white. But um, a full black and white is pretty cool, considering how they've colored it in the anime. So that's kind of cool. Um, more, more interestingly, actually, uh, they've announced that the Battle of Gods film coming out in March for, uh, the latest Dragon Ball Z movie is going to, one, it's going to have a special guest, uh, Olympic gold medalist in judo, Kaori Matsumoto, and singer Shoko Nakagawa, they're going to have roles in the film. Um, I can't say I've heard of them, but, you know, I'm American, so I probably wouldn't have. But also that the film's going to be shown in IMAX. The first ever Japanese film screened in IMAX, which is, uh, that's the first I've ever heard for a 2D animated film to be in IMAX ever, let alone in Japan. Uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I hope it translates to IMAX over in the U.S., because I will definitely go see that. Oh, hell yeah. If this is on IMAX. <laughs> uh, 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a cartoon movie being on IMAX. I know, you know, how, how long has IMAX been in, been, been showing movies, do you think? It's been like 20 years, 10 years? 20 years, um, maybe a little longer as far as like uh, the IMAX that are, are in museums and stuff. Uh, commercially, though, the technology is a lot newer. Probably 10 years, I, th I think. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because in Atlanta, we have a theater, a museum that has an IMAX theater, and it usually plays documentaries. And the local theater here just got an IMAX, which isn't as big, but it's it's a bigger setup and better speakers and everything. Yeah, some um, some places in the U.S. don't have IMAX theaters, and some do. It's not it's not widely spread, but it's spread enough to where it makes money. If, if big movies like uh, um, Mission Impossible Three or The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises come out, so. It's a big, it's a big deal over in the states, and um, I think it's a pretty big deal to have. I mean, this movie has a lot of uh, goodwill going into it. Akira Toriyama is actually doing something with it. Um, it's it's a continuation to the series, which really surprised me. Now that it has celebrity guest voices <laughs> and uh, an IMAX premiere, which is going to be um, in March twelfth. Uh, in fact, that's actually like because we're we're recording on the seventh to permanently date this episode, so that's about a month from now. A month and five days, so uh, it's going to be interesting. And I think if, because it's going to have an IMAX pre uh, premiere, that means that the animation is supposed to be really, really good, I would imagine. I, I would imagine they wouldn't just show a rudimentary uh, cartoon on IMAX. And typically... Yeah, I doubt you're going to like blow it up to the largest resolution possible if it if it if they kind of skimmed with the animation. <laughs> right. And I was going to say, typically, the movies always have had better animation than the episodes of the series anyway. Dragon Ball Kai... The animation's kind of, I mean, they kind of copy the animation, but in certain storyboards, um, they sort of recolor, retrace it, so it's very noticeable. But because this is going to be an original animation kind of thing, I'm, I'm expecting this to look really, really nice. I mean, the, the trailer looked pretty good, but, like, I'm expecting this to be, like, like really, really like, like movie 12 and 13 level nice. But um, we shall see. Um, and I believe that's all the, uh, the prescient news. And uh, let's go on with the emails. And as typically, <laughs> Jesse shall start us off with our first one. Who is it from? It's from Sean Sabloski. I hope I had that roughly right. He says, hey, guys, I want, I, would, I want to start by saying I saw the trailer for the new movie, and I think it looks great. Also, my friend Josh made a good point about how come the Z Fighters have never wished Kami or Piccolo to have eternal life. Did they ever say anything about this in Dragon Ball? This would have been great against the Saiyans. Also, how strong do you believe King Cold actually was? He looked like he was in Frieza's second form. Do you believe that if he transformed, he would have been a match for the Z Fighters? Thanks again for the amazing work on your podcast. Well, thank you, Sean. Thank you. Um, you want to hit that up first? Uh, with the King Cold one? Um, I was going to say, uh, have they ever mentioned Kami or Piccolo having eternal life? It seems like all the bad that. guys have ever thought of that, but no one thought to say, hey, let's just you know, make them, or let's make Goku immortal so he can't die, you know. Yeah, even even Piccolo, when he was a bad guy, he just wanted to rule the world. He never thought of having eternal life, so that would be, I, I mean, obviously, uh, that's probably a story cheat, and there would be no drama, but uh, they've, they've actually come out and said, let's do that, so, uh, and Kami's old anyway, so, like, he's, he's an old man, so, <laughs> uh, I think they, sh they could have thought about that, but they've never mentioned it. Um, the King Cold thing is interesting because I don't think we're ever given uh, a read on how powerful he really is. And um, I used to think for a while that he was stronger than Frieza, but I remember going back and reading and then l watching the episodes, and they don't mention whether he is or not. He's just showing Frieza, 
I don't remember if Mecha Frieza says, you know, in front of his dad whether he's the strongest in the universe or not, but King Cold, his demeanor is so, so like, like almost not interested that it's hard, it's a really hard way to get a read on the guy. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of assumed he is. He's obviously, he's he's his dad. He's intimidating. He's bigger. Way bigger. But at the same time, yeah, at the same time, he could simply be the less powerful and maybe more manipulative of the two or maybe Fraser just didn't, you know, didn't want to observe him as he is his father. Um, but that's a good point. Yeah, he could very well be significantly less strong than Frieza. I mean, as soon as Frieza is defeated, the first thing he says is, "Oh yeah, you want to join me?" You know. <laughs> Isn't bad enough. Well, it's also like kind of cooler. I think cooler probably said, "I'm stronger than Frieza," but cooler wasn't saying him that I'm. Actually, I don't remember if he did or not. He's probably lying. Well, it's I think I think um, King Cole was a more interesting character from what little we got from then Frieza, after, compared to all we got from Frieza. Just because, beside him desperately trying to kill Trunks and failing, he was so, he was sort of like low key, and I thought that was kind of cool for a rather fae looking guy. Um, he's, yeah, he's very much less uh, maniacal than less one note than Frieza was. Yeah, Frieza. We'll talk about Frieza later, like much later on. We, we kind of go back and look at the villains, but um. King Cole, to me, is sort of like an interesting character that we, I wish we saw more of, more than we got. But, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad we're on to new villains. Thank you very much, Sean. The next email that I shall read is from Mr. Aaron Henley. Aaron writes, Dear Donovan and Jesse, First, I just wanted to thank you two for the incredible work you all do and the passion you show for one of my favorite shows. Buckle up, my friends, because this letter will either be Daniel's usual length or surpass it. All right, let me get my seatbelt on. I vividly remember racing home after school to catch Toonami and see my favorite lineup of Gundam Wing, Sailor Moon, okay, probably should admit that, but anime fans enjoy that show, and especially DBZ. I remember sitting on the edge of my couch as soon as Goku arrives on Namek, KOs Raccoon, and the announcer says, stay tuned for the next episode, and then finding out, back to the start, I was crushed. Like Donovan, I felt like years went by before that light, that glorious light was Tom announcing the continuation. Kudos on replaying that commercial, too. From then on, the Saiyans, Frieza Cell, or whatever could have wiped out the Earth, but I wasn't moving from my TV. I screamed out, no, when Krillin was executed by Frieza. Cheered when Goku started kicking Frieza's tail, or what remained of it. And then wondering why Namek hadn't blown up yet. <laughs> the only downside to the epic climax. Now my favorite saga begins, the Android slash Cell saga. I know it's usually split into two, but in my opinion, it flows just as fluidly into each other as a Saiyan and Freeze saga that I consider. That I just consider it to be one story. Here's some fan theories as to some of the biggest conversation pieces of the podcast. One, how was Bulma able to phone Master Roshi instantaneously despite being light years, possibly a galaxy away? Answer, while being left behind and tired of reading swimsuit magazines, Bulma started tinkering around with leftover text she recovered from dead Freeze goons. There's an idea. Discovering the Frieza Spacenet allowed her, the, the big guy, to talk to his minions. She hacked the frequency and converted to Earth Tech, thus able to reach Master Roshi, thus able to reach Master Roshi that quickly. What do you think about that, Jesse? That she That's a good answer, is any? Yeah, uh, it makes more sense. Um, the fact that she used that technology to call Roshi, as opposed to somebody possibly more useful. Okay, whatever. <laughs> useful like her father. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting. That's an interesting idea. That, and because she is a genius, I could buy it. Uh, two. Namek volume five minutes. Answer. Why are we to assume that Frieza, when Frieza says five minutes, he's referring to Earth minutes? Perhaps his measurement of time is completely different from us. I can. 
almost buy that. Although I think that when I remember uh, we talked about this when um when Goku was supposed to come to Namek, it took him six days, and then after that, Frieza summoned the Ginyu Force to arrive and said they would come up in five days. I remember that sticking out in my mind when Jesse and I were going over in the synopsis. So uh, it's sort of a maybe days and and uh, and minutes are different in terms of Frieza's species. Although um, I c- I can see your point. I can take that. But well, a day would be completely earlier. subjective because there's no no one to say that Namek is the same size as Earth. That is true. That's absolutely true. And also, the the sun never goes down. There there are three suns never go down. There's leeway for. So there's it. no one, yeah. There's no one to say that you know a day is necessarily 24 hours on Namek. Or Frieza is, could even be familiar with that terminology. A minute, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of more objective. But yeah. I say he could just estimate. You know, he maybe he do, he's never used that move before. Maybe he doesn't know. Uh, roughly five minutes. Okay, it's, more it's like hard. You know, an hour. But whatever. It's hard. I mean, I I could almost buy you in like 30 minutes. But like him saying five minutes, and then like. No matter what version you look at this, this story, it's always longer than five minutes. I, I think at a point he says, you know, huh, maybe two minutes left, but um, it's it's kind of silly. Although, I remember um, when they were on Earth, the Namekian uh, days for a year were, were like 230 days as opposed to 365 days. So, that is definitely true that like the days of, that um, Namekian time is different, but Frieza alien time, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I just say like he's probably he probably said five minutes to kind of intimidate more than anything. Yeah, he probably, yeah, he was he was kind of stalling for time there because he was because Goku was this close to killing him. Three, the differences in time for the different characters t- to reach Namek. Answer: Kami's ship was decades older, if not older, decades old, if not older. So it had out of date technology that would take Goku longer than Goku's capsule corp ship, which was designed by a super genius with an awesome kitty. Who constantly tinkered with technology and no doubt improved it. I can I can roll with that. I'll buy it, yeah. Four. Why is Bulma after Vegeta and not Yamcha? Well, this will be good. Answer. <laughs> I think she's been thinking about him ever since he saved them, quote unquote, from Zarbon and just kept looking for ways to improve her chances. Why else was she dreaming back of him of him back on Namek and not Yamcha? Uh <laughs> My answer is that Bulma's a bitch, but <laughs> And Yamcha's lame. Yamcha does quite suck. Um, I don't know. It's I. I mean, to me, I I can sort of buy because they had a three-year time skip. I can sort of buy her going with Vegeta easier than because it's not just like you know the next episode. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't. I don't really question why she broke up with Yamcha and question. I don't question her attraction to Vegeta. I question Vegeta's attraction to her. And um, this this the we'll, we'll go over it. We'll go over it in this in these episodes exactly how far that that attraction is, if at all. Um, so tune in for that. Oh yes. Here's something to consider. Do you think Vegeta has ever stopped to realize that only Saiyans left are him, Goku, and Gohan? I don't think he has because he continually screams, I'm the prince of all Saiyans. If he had stopped to realize that, he'd either have a stroke and kill us all, or probably both, or probably both depending, uh, I'm sorry, let me read that again. He'd either have a stroke or kill us, probably both depending on when he has that. Hope that gave you guys a couple of laughs. Ha, ha, ha. I assure you it did. Third, thank you for getting me hooked on DBZ Abridged. Watched the whole thing about four times and I've lost track. It would be so awesome if you could get one of the voice actors to do some sort of intro, or better yet, even a voice actor from Ocean or Funimation. I'll grab my Dragon Radar and start looking for the Dragon Balls to wish for that to come true. Unless I'm stuck on fake Namek. Ugh. <laughs> Ooh, that would be quite a coup. <laughs> to get a voice actor. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can pull some strings, although I don't know any of them personally, so keep on looking for those Dragon Balls. 
Once again, thank you all, and I can't wait to, for your discussions on future episodes. I hope the trunk special comes soon. I am wondering when because of certain androids and spoilers that may or may not be in that special. Then I hear the promo and well, a few things are revealed so hopefully it's just around the corner. Keep up that great work and I'm in it for the rest of the show. Sincerely, Aaron Henley. P.S. How about instead of reading emails, you turn the segment into Z-mails? <laughs> I like that idea. Z-mails? I like that idea. That's, that's, that's fine. Uh, every comic has their own mail section. Every great comic has their own mail section name. Why shouldn't one of the best podcasts? Oh, that's very nice. Uh, I, I don't. I don't mind that at all. Sure, why not? Um, I I go with it. Let's do it. Absolutely. We're reading emails right now. I love it. And I can tell you that the um, let me bring up the schedule. I have I have the uh, the trunk special on the docket. If I just bring this up real quick before we read the nice Z-mail. Bucka 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 bucka. Um. It's definitely within this year, I know, because we're, we won't be covering the movies for several months. Uh, we will be covering the Trunks special tentatively in June. We might cover that earlier or later, depending on how things go, but uh, that is going to be coming up next. So that's about March, April, May, June. About four months from now. I think it's around the same time we covered the, uh, the Bardock special last year. So be on the lookout for that. And for the next uh, Z-mail being read, it is from a familiar face. Why don't you start us off, Jesse? Uh, this email is obviously going to be from Daniel. <laughs> yeah. He starts off. Hey, Donovan and Jesse. It's been a little while. Probably missed you recording for February. But I finally got some time to sit down and email you guys. So I'm just going to jump into talking about the batch of movies that you two covered with your second movie special episode. And since you requested it, I'll be an ass, I mean, be accommodating and break my comments up for each movie into three separate emails. Enjoy. Oh, yes. The Tree of Might. I would say it's probably my favorite of the three movies you talked about and the first three Dragon Ball Z movies of the first three Dragon Ball Z movies released in the U.S. I really could not tell you why that is. I think perhaps the use of the whole Z Fighter team, the fights, and the general atmosphere of the movie just make it seem bigger in scale than any of the other four. Okay. I, I mean, I, 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 liked, I liked it the best out of, the, that of three, four, and five. Um, and, I, and I agree with him. Like, the whole Z, all the Z Fighters being there, even though they did nothing, was fun. Um... Yeah, I, I, I like it for a variety of reasons. For me personally, I'll always remember it as actually being the first three bits of Dragon Ball I ever saw. Back when they split them into three episodes, I stumbled across it early one Saturday morning and saw the little kid being grabbed by some guy and squeezing his head while another guy who looked just like him was fighting through a group of fighters. <laughs> and then the kid turned into a giant monkey and the episode ends. <laughs> you can probably imagine my utter confusion at this show, but it was confusion that would lead me into setting out to watch the series, and then I, and when I caught it on Toonami years later, I can I can definitely uh, relate to that feeling of just well, huh? You you kind of got to jump in on the ground floor with these. Absolutely. I don't really have a problem with the introduction of the movie or the Dragon Ball hunting montage. Yeah, when they find the Dragon Balls like that, it does belittle the search for them at the same time when the characters can fly around the world at super speed, have a machine that can pinpoint what they're looking for, and are the most powerful beings on the planet. It really should just take an opening montage. <laughs> and using the dragon to rebuild the force was a bit mundane, but it's kind of a nice change of pace from wishing the dead back to life, or for youth, or more, or more immortality. I think it's a nice gesture on the hero's part to rebuild something that an accident destroyed. Or maybe it was just the studio's pro-nature propaganda. <laughs> propaganda. Save the trees. <laughs> at least Krillin didn't look at the camera and say that only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> oh, God. 
I, uh, uh, if I ever find one of the DBZ bridge guys, I want him to say that. <laughs> that would be awesome. With the like, with the smoky the the bear hat on. <laughs> yeah, because like Krillin is like is like a uh, um, camping gear with a blue shirt and. Yeah, he's always got his like his uniforms he puts on. <laughs> <laughs> his cost, his fashion. Also, I have to confess of having a soft spot for Icarus. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Donovan hates you now. Yeah, it's cutesy, but I like cute things, and it's nice for Gohan to have a little friend. Plus, I like to imagine Icarus grew into a monstrous kick-ass dragon that Goku can, Gohan can ride when he grows up. That would be that would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. <laughs> now, all of that said, you guys are right that the movie kind of falls apart pretty much when the fighting action starts. There are some good fight moments, but it throws almost any character interaction and development out the window and boils it all down to Goku versus Turles, which I think is a bad trademark of most of the Dragon Ball Z movies. Oh, yeah. And for being the only movie to have the whole team of fighters there just to do a very poor job fighting everyone, just once it would be nice, it would be nice to see for Dragon Ball to have a real honest-to-goodness team fight. We'll get, we'll get uh, something close to it in Movie 9, but um, yeah, there, there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sort of a real a recurring annoyance of the movies that like so many times the last 10 minutes are always like one-on-one between Goku and the guys not all of them but a lot of the times they are in fact later on near the end of the movie runs they get a bit better with that and they kind of shake it up a bit for like the next batch of movies it's, it's, it sort of follows the same format spoilers <laughs> Turlissim himself is a villain I like in concept but his design looking just like Goku really takes away from any legitimacy he has as a character. He tur- it turns him into just being an evil image of Goku, and we know he's going to get beating. The only reason I've ever even heard attempted to- as to why he looks like Goku is that he is also a low-class Saiyan. I guess the idea at the time being that all low-class Saiyans would look like Goku, as if <laughs> they some come off some kind of production line. <laughs> of course, there are all kinds of fan theories that he's Goku's twin brother, uncle, cousin, or whatever. And while that's plausible, it's never said or explored, so it can, you can never say it's true one way or another. So it brings up the question, do you guys think Turles would have been a better villain if he had been given an original appearance and not just a copy of Goku? Or would you have liked it if there really had been some kind of family connection, like another version of Raditz? Hmm, what do you think? Um, I'd say if you're, gonna, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna design him to look just like Goku, mm-hmm. you could, should kind of explain it. At least even... Even if it is like, you know, a semi-line, low-class Saiyan explanation, something in there to acknowledge the fact that he looks the same. Yeah. Because it's not like, it's not like Vegeta and Goku look similar. Yeah. Or, or yeah, well, even Vegeta and Goku look similar. But yeah, Vegeta and King Vegeta, at least it's father and son and a mustache. <laughs> father, son, mustache. Or beard. <laughs> beard. He had a beard, yeah. It's um, exactly the same. A little darker complexion. No, yeah, uh... I mean, when I was when I was younger, I never really gave it much thought. But when I'm older, I'm like, you know, why does he look just like Goku? That's never really. I mean, lame as it is that Goku and Vegeta both look exactly like their fathers, it is quasi quasi believable. Yeah, um, and that's a that's a staple of fiction. You know, you look just like your father. It's yeah, I know. It's understandable. It's kind of a, a suspension of disbelief. I'm with that one Smallville episode where, like, for some reason, Jor-El went to Earth back in time and looks just like Tom Willie. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but it was weird. Um, I don't know. I thought I mean, he was Terrence Stamp. What the heck? Yeah, he, he, he went from Tom Willie to Terrence Stamp, and uh, <laughs> he, like, nailed uh, Kristen Crook's ancestor for some reason. 
Uh, that was that was during one Smallville's wackier times. Yeah, <laughs> most, most of the show. Um, I mean, I, I I know that there are fan theories out there. I've not really uh, looked upon them too much, but um, the idea that he could be his uncle is interesting because that would explain why he looks just like Bardock. Uh God. I mean, I wish to me his him looking like Goku actually gives him all the interest he does have because I think if you take that away, he's not interesting really at all. Besides just being another Saiyan, and him being an evil version of Goku, I wish there were more. I think I'm not sure, but I think that the Japanese version infers that he's just basically part of Goku's like like bloodline. Besides being the same, but I don't know for sure. I'm not even sure. Remember where I heard that, but uh, yeah, it it is sort of like you know like after you get past his similar looks, what else is there about him besides him being another Saiyan douche? So uh, I yeah, that's pretty much. He's a poor man's Vegeta at that point. He really is. He really is. And especially that considering the the Saiyans we've seen so thus far are infinitely more interesting than he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually like Nappa more than him. Nappa's a lot more Yeah, even Nappa, yeah. <laughs> Sad to say. Uh, and I, he says, he goes on, I, and I've never noticed the note about the symbol on the back of Yamcha's shirt. That's a neat addition. Though, again, it throws the movie's continuity completely out the window. So, personally, I'd give the movie five out of seven Dragon Balls, putting it just above average. Daniel Yarbrough. P.S., Turles versus Vegeta in Raging Blast 2, and he links to a YouTube video. Oh, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to put that on the Facebook page. Um, before I get into his next email, yeah, yeah, uh, the continuity. Because <laughs> I, I think if Goku had been able to turn Super Saiyan, he would have wasted everybody on that on that movie. But I think, I mean, so it does sort of fit that, that at least when Yamcha's there, he has the King Kaio uh, insignia on his shirt. But I've already talked about that, so... Um, We'll move on to Daniel's second of three emails, just like the second, or should I say Z, Z mails? You're going to be coining our phrase. Um, okay, time for the next email, movie email. This is my first time sitting through and watching Lord Slug. Oh. My impressions are overall that it was a lot better than I feared, though still not as good as it could be. I enjoy the new setting of the city and the use of the characters. Goku and Krillin are great, and Piccolo comes off badass as always. Even Chi Chi gets a nice little moment, sadly, very little. And Gohan and Icarus play a solid part in the story as well. The plot itself, as you guys said, is a good one. And I even likes Lord Slug and some of his minions, although I could really do without the guy who grows little clones out of himself, out of his back. That was just a bit too gross. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> On the downside, the movie felt rather padded, and there are a lot of things that could have just been cut out. While the story and the, and the fighting are good, they're not excellent, and it makes, me, it makes the whole thing come off like it's a drawn-out filler episode of the series. The added rock music in the dub is really distracting. I don't mind. They <laughs> should place them over the, over the reading this email. <laughs> I don't mind it using the movie, but at least get the music that fits the scene. None of the music they used fit any of the scenes that they were put into. It was just too loud and annoying. I think Jesse might agree. Yes. Slug Horrible. himself. <laughs> Slug himself would come off as a better villain if he didn't seem to be a copy of Piccolo. He could have just as easily been some unknown, all-powerful alien with the same evil plan. He didn't really need, and he really didn't need to be a super dynamic. If that's how, if that's how they go down that route, it's wasted not to have Piccolo and Slug have a real confrontation and conversation about it. I agree. They didn't, they didn't really have a one-on-one. They just kind of, he was Piccolo was just kind of there. That's some, I, I agree. That's a missed opportunity. You could have done more. I mean, they did more with Piccolo on Namek than they did with anything with Piccolo and Slug. Right. And it's kind of a waste. Of, you you could have. You could have added a lot to his character, kind of seeing a spittage, you know, a re- reverse image of what he could have been, you know. Honestly, they could have done the whole, um, 
not not the same plot, but like a lot what they did in movie one with Garlic Jr. and Kami, kind of had that thing because ideally Kami would have known Slug since they were both from Namek. Maybe, granted, Kami had amnesia and didn't really remember his time on Namek, but there was a possible connection there. I mean, I, they, don't, they don't have to know each other just because they're Namekians. Let's not get racist. <laughs> but, you know, there could have been something more than what they had. Your conversation about Goku's not Super Saiyan appearance in the movie was interesting. It makes me wonder if perhaps the actual production of the movie was started before Goku's Super Saiyan appearance actually appeared in the, man- in the manga. I, I think it did. Perhaps the creators knew it was coming and wanted to make it part of the movie, but could not change the appearance to make it how it ended up in the series in time. But if that was the case, it still makes a pointless addition in the scene in the movie. So all in all, I don't have much to say about this movie. I liked it, but I'm not excited or impressed by it either. 3 out of 7 Dragon Balls for me. It's just below average. And uh, his third email shall be read by Jesse. Okay, he goes on. I probably have the least to say about Cool as a Range, so let's just jump into it. Like Lord Slug, it was not nearly as bad as I had always as always led to believe, but it still doesn't reach the high marks of some of the other movies. But it does get a lot of points for having a really good villain. Like the last two movies, Coolers is really just a copy of another character, but this time that resemblance is actually explained and makes part of the plot makes it part of the plot, so it actually makes Cooler a fleshed out character more instead of just a knockoff villain. Mm-hmm. And his design is just different enough to make him look original and actually better than Frieza. I agree. I like his uh, his design better than Frieza. But um, I think a lot is to be said that Frieza's design, I think it's intended to make you a little uncomfortable or uh, just a little <laughs> off. You're not, sp- you're not supposed to like it. You know, he's he's very – you don't really know. If he's a, is he a boy? Is he a girl? You know, he's very freakish. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of flies in the face, so it, it makes you uncomfortable. I think a villain should do that. I like his fourth design. To an yeah, his, his the, most of Frieza's designs are really. Uh, I'm not gonna say eyesores. I think they're interesting designs, but they are very alien-like. And Cooler, by contrast, is a sleeker sort of um, take on those designs. And I mean, even even cool, like the initial form we see of Cooler, I kind of like because it's a little more. He has a more of that pod hel- helmet head, that Mega Man head, and his transform designs absolutely kick ass so uh i mean it, it, i think it's cool it's interesting that frieza's older brother who is stronger and generally more interesting is named cooler Frieza <laughs> <laughs> just Frieza was like out of the womb or the egg or whatever and he's just like oh, man i'm never gonna go to this guy his name's cooler <laughs> frieza comes out of the freezer and cooler comes out of the cooler. <laughs> i had to do it zing <laughs> This is also the first movie villain who is out just to kill Goku, so we don't have to waste time with an overcomplicated plot to threaten the world or get our heroes involved. We just cut right to the fighting. The downside is that being the movie has a lot of padding to fill out its time. This is something I will bring up in more detail when I write in about your coverage of the start of the Android saga, but I cannot remember. Is Cooler said outright to be stronger than Frieza? I always just thought he had he had just had... A, Another transformation which gave him a different form, but didn't mean he was stronger than his brother. Now, not that it matters in the end, as the Super Saiyan is still stronger than both of them. I'm pretty sure that Cooler. Well, granted, people in this in this in this family always say they're stronger than everybody. I, but I was under the impression that Cooler was said to be stronger than Frieza. But then again, considering how how quickly Super Saiyan Goku took him out, it could be argued that Frieza would be stronger. Um, yeah, I think maybe Cooler thought he was stronger, but maybe he wasn't privy to Frieza's last transformation. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, actually, that's actually a good question. Considering 
the the uh, comparing the two fights, it actually you could actually argue that Frieza might be stronger. Although that I mean, movie it's movie canon, so it doesn't actually matter. But that's an interesting point. I never thought about that. The other thing I liked about this movie was Salsa. I have no idea why, but I've grown a soft spot for that character lately. Maybe it's just maybe it's his inclusion in the Dragon Ball Raging Blast two game, or maybe it's just his silly French accent. An accent that helps prove my theory that Funimation has never heard a stereotype accent it didn't like. <laughs> that, absolutely. Either way, it makes a good henchman and a fun character to watch. Interesting side note, Frieza is the name of a French <laughs> commune, so I guess this is why they went with a French stereotype voice as opposed to, say, a Spanish accent to go with the obvious food pun. Hmm. I, mean, I mean, you can blame Toy for that because they named the character, but yeah, in English, giving him a, an overtly French accent. Although I'm not sure how you would do a French accent in Japanese. So uh, I'll have to defer to It'd somebody. It'd probably be amazing. <laughs> well, I, mean, I like, I like Saul's anyway, and then, like maybe it is, part of it is the silly accent, but also I just like his, I like his design and like the fact that he was a very like cunning uh, and outlasting henchman. He outlasted Cooler, so I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah, you don't really see that all that often. But a good villain alone cannot make up a good movie, and it goes on way too long and uses too much padding to do so. So I'd put this one square in the middle of our other two and rate it four out of seven balls. Dragon Balls. <laughs> As, <laughs> that was a legitimate slip. Wow. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> as average, a Dragon Ball Z story as you can get. And in summation of the... Summation of the three movies? And in summation of the three movies. Oh, summation. Okay, duh. And in summation of the th all three movies and from your coverage, I would say the Tree of Might has the best inclusion of the cast, the only inclusion for many of the characters. Lord Slug had the best plot, and Cools of Rin has the best villain. I think that's a, that's a fair judgment to say, like, to take what's best out of both, like, every movie. I can agree with that. Um, that, that, that's, that's actually a good idea. I think I would agree that um, Tree of Might, I think, has the best overall uh, just presentation. Or at least I, I prefer it that way because I, I like I really like that uh, I think Daisuke Natsuki directed it. Lord Slug. Um, the plot's interesting. <laughs> I'll give it that. And Cooler Rin just absolutely is the best villain. So I would, I would agree with that, Daniel. Yeah, I like. Um, I'd say it's. I, th I think I do like the atmosphere of uh, the Tree of Might the most. And mm. I would say probably Cooler is probably the villain I enjoy the most. Right. And I think I like the possibility of Lord Slugs like. Where they could have went with the story more than where they actually did. Yeah, it, 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 that story had actually had a lot of potential. So that's true. It probably had the most potential out of all of them, even more so than Cooler. Yeah, and I say mainly because I, I, I want to see more with Piccolo. You know, he's, he's a dynamic character, and I think you can include him in a lot of stuff and bring out more to the forefront, bring him more to the forefront. Absolutely. This brings me to one last question for you guys in regards to the movies, especially given that we now have the possibility of new DBZ movies being made. I'm curious. What would your ideal setup for a DBZ movie be? What would you like to see included? What kind of villains should they face? What would the overall plot for your Dragon Ball Z movie? I have my own answer for this, but I, would, I want to know what you two think it would, what you two would like to see. I really should have thought about this before we started recording. Oh, um, wow. I'll just start off. Uh, I'd like to see the entire cast included. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily a team fight, but as long as you know everybody has somebody to go off against, so that you kind of you're kind of playing up each character's strengths. I could mm -hmm. go with that. Also, I like to see a plot not revolve around Goku necessarily. Have him, you know, have him as part of the story, but 
it could be like you know piccolo centered or even even like a sidekick like tn centered you know have 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 goku and the gang need to help him out you know that's actually really interesting because so much a Dragon Ball Z movie is almost defined by the tropes it sets. Like you know, at the end you have to have Goku beat the villain. So it's almost you know it's almost hard to imagine a, a Dragon Ball Z movie that doesn't follow that. Um, what you were describing, the closest movie that we have to that we've not reviewed and we will view in the future to me that would really fit that mold and one that I would like to see more of is uh, Movie Thirteen, which is the last of the original Dragon Ball Z movies. That movie is a lot more. I would like to see more movies like that, not only in the presentation because the animation is ridiculously gorgeous. It was done around 1996, so like they were, they were starting to do like you know uh, 3D animation, and, and it looked and it looked good. Like it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like a 3D Pixar kind of thing, but they sort of incorporated it into the designs, and um, they really used the cast well. The cast that they had, like everybody had a had a, a role to play. I don't really, I mean, I'm not gonna review it right now. I don't really care for how it ends up, <laughs> but. For the most now, does part, Vegeta appear in the movies eventually? Yeah, he'll he'll start appearing in the very next movie we'll, we'll cover, and he's he's in every one sense. He's in okay, every cool. Because uh, he's been a noticeable absence. Actually, no, he's not in movie ten or eleven, but he is in the majority of the rest. Um, and I mean, ten ten or eleven actually focused on characters we've not come up later on, but uh, they're they are main characters. But Vegeta does have a presence. He he has uh he he's uh, a heavy presence in movie six, a heavy presence in movie. Eight, and uh, I mean, movie six, eight, and I would say twelve. He had, like he's like half of the. Uh, he and Goku are like the main characters. It's actually, awesome. it's actually. I'm a, those movies. Those movies. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to talk about them. Um, and also Goku and his son Goku and his friends returned, which was like the anniversary movie they did, where they revealed that spoilers. Vegeta has a brother, which contradicts everything. Um. That was that was a lot more of a lighthearted movie, and it was it was I like that too because it also involved the main cast, and it wasn't it didn't take itself very seriously. I would kind of see more like that. It still kind of kind of uh, got into the tropes of Goku is the most awesomest guy ever, but my sort of ideal movie would be sort of along the lines of movie thirteen and then that movie. Um, so were there uh, any Dragon Ball movies, like original Dragon Ball movies? There were three, uh, but those were instead of like you know alter like. You know, basically, Dragon Ball Adventures. They were kind of like retellings of how certain characters met each other. Like, like the first movie was a retelling of how Goku met Bulma and Yamcha. The second movie was a retelling of how I think I know of, of Goku and Krillin's training. And the third movie, which I've actually not seen, was a retelling of how he met uh, Tien and Chaozu. And that one, for some reason, Chaozu's an emperor and Tien's like his manservant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding. So do do those take precedence over the? Uh... The animation series? Um, no, they're not. Even, they're not canon. Um, we should probably watch those because because those are like uh, they're sort of like alternate retellings. They're, they're harmless. We could probably watch them without <laughs> ruining everything. Uh, and I've legit not seen the third one. Um, and I know they they did a, they did a uh, tenth anniversary of um, or was it? A th- they did an anniversary called Path of Power, which was a, another movie that retold the original Dragon Ball with Goku and Namcha and Bulma. Which actually looked really nice. It was it was done in 1997 after Dragon Ball GT ended, so we should probably talk about those in our schedule. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff to find in the movies that we don't find in the series. That like those are sort of like the chance for the uh, animation team to really utilize the uh, the potential that the series has, which which Akira Toriyama didn't put in the series. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Daniel finishes with uh, that's all I have for now. 
but I got to say a, a lot more, but I have a lot more to say about your coverage on the start of the Android saga. Till then, thanks as always for reading my emails, Zmails, and keep up the great show and awesome coverage. Thank you once again, Daniel. P.S. We survived the Mayan apocalypse. Thank you, Goku. You saved the world again. <laughs> uh, it's always Goku. <laughs> it probably was Goku that saved us. It definitely um, wasn't Krillin or Yamcha. <laughs> Krillin and Yamcha saved the day and no one cares. No That's, one the movie cares. I want, that's the movie I want to see. Krillin and Yamcha saved the world. And Icarus. That- I oh well, <laughs> if we ever had that caveat, I, I would absolutely say Krillin and Yamcha's um, far out adventures. Yeah, what they're doing when they're not around Goku. <laughs> well, Yamcha would try to be getting tail, and and Krillin would, actually Krillin would try to get tail too. He always wants to have a girlfriend, so they're hijinks. I want to see that. I demand it. I, I'm just imagining them like at the club. <laughs> oh god! It's, it's like it's like a night of the Roxbury, but with Krillin and Yamcha. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Them, the, the, Krillin, Yamcha, Oolong, and Master Roshi. <laughs> oh yes, you'd have to include those two. Oh, um, it'll be pimptastic. <laughs> oh my God, special appearance by Vegeta and Piccolo. Oh, th- this this writes itself. <laughs> they they, they would. You spend the whole movie those four trying to to get all the women, and then you just see like an elevator open, and it's Vegeta and like Piccolo with women all around their arms. <laughs> And they're just going back to like the hotel room and just look at them like, hmm. Piccolo opens its cape and the women fall out. <laughs> oh, God. Before we start writing fan fiction, uh, the final email, Z-mail, is from uh, Reginald Barnes Jr. Reginald says, Dear Next Dimension, really looking forward to you hearing you guys discuss the Android saga and give your opinions on, on all the excitement that will happen this season. In regards to you, your thoughts on the evil tutor you discussed in the last episode, I thought that while he was a total jerk, what he said about Goku had some truth to it. Even though I like Goku, I feel he's a bit of, and he's the hero of the story. His role as a father has sparked some controversy in the fan base. I mean, Goku chose to stay in space for two years even though he had a wife and son waiting for him. And this will not be the last time this will happen. <laughs> Without going into spoilers, his, neg- his neglect towards his family is going to become a more noticeable, more noticeable from this point on. He may be the savior of Earth, but he is not a family man. It's amazing that the things that fly over your head when you're younger, then you fully understand when you're older. What are your thoughts on Goku as a parent? Do you feel there's some truth in my claims? And have you heard of this claim from other fans? Also, as a side note, have you heard of DB Dragon Ball Absalon, a fan-made sequel to DBGT? If so, please discuss it. Keep up the good work, Reginald Barnes. Hmm. I think Goku's a man-child. <laughs> Tis true. Tis true. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's rather apparent in the series, in the fan base, Goku's lack, uh, Goku's lacking of his parent skills. Although, depending on the type of person that he is, I don't know about. Well, it depends on how you define a parent. Now, I'm not a parent, so I'm, I, I'm not actually going to say, and I'm not going to say that you know, having your son trained to save the world for three years is, is the best parenting. But um, it's interesting because it's sort of like. Uh, I mean, he, he's not abusive. He's, he's, he's a lot more encouraging, I think, than, Vegeta, than, than uh, Vegeta. Than, uh, well, Vegeta is in, <laughs> in Trunks. But I would say he's more encouraging to Gohan than Chi-Chi might be. Chi-Chi's a lot more... Uh, Chi-Chi wears the pants in the, in the, in the family unit. And I think that uh, she's a more of a certain taskmaster than Goku is. So he actually kind of fills a role that, that Gohan needs for a parental figure. That being said, yeah... Uh, he could stay around more. <laughs> um, I don't think it is ever intentional from Goku's 
perspective. I think he he legitimately just doesn't think about that. Like he doesn't he doesn't have the parenting skills. It's like he's never been taught them. Perhaps it's not like he's oh I'm just gonna oh yeah you know screw Gohan I'm just gonna stay on on this alien planet. All he's thinking about is training. You know, he's very you know he, he's very childlike in that mentality. If I were looking to the series, I would argue that he, the reason he stayed on planet Yarjet was to sort of control his Super Saiyan form because he, he at that point was the most powerful person in the universe. There was no telling. Because um, we saw later on when he talked to Chi-Chi that he actually wasn't totally in, in control of his new strength at that, at that point in time. So, I mean, obviously he was training, but training for a specific reason. He wasn't training just to fight again. I think he could have done that on Earth. But I think Goku, at the end of the day is a good parent for Gohan, but I would not say that like he's a good parent in the traditional sense, if that makes any sense. He, you know, he, he clearly loves his son, but before he even knew that Gohan could fight, he was trying to protect him from Raditz. And obviously, he, you know, he, he cares. I mean, he could, he could have always kicked Chi-Chi out of his house whenever he wanted to. I mean, cause he, he was sort of coerced into getting married. <laughs> but he's, he, he, he rolls with it. Um, I think that he's a good... I think that he's a good person, <laughs> which doesn't answer the question, and a good parent, but he's not a good parent in the, in the traditional sense in that he's very uh, slack-headed, and he doesn't always do what's best for Gohan. And actually, it, that actually leads to one of my favorite moments later on in the Soul games. Piccolo outright like calls, calls him on his crap, and uh, uh, it's, 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 it's great. I'm not going to say anything else. Because um, some people say that Piccolo is a better father to, to Gohan than Goku is. I think there's certain ways to go about it. I mean, I think that there's definitely ways where Goku really should be better, and it's actually pathetic. But at, at certain times, I think he's a really good father to Gohan. So, at the end of the day, he is. I think he is a good father to Gohan, but good father in general. He's he's not somebody that you would want your kid to stay over for a sleepover. Let's say that. No, definitely not. So, yeah. Anything else to add to that? No. Uh, you pretty much summed it up. I feel very similar to that. I think, uh, I think him with... The combination of him and Chi-Chi is a good parenting, like, a uh, good parenting unit for for Gohan, because mm-hmm. they do play off each other very well. Yeah, that's 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 that's. Good. I mean, we'll, we'll see more of those scenes. It's a, uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic to look at in the series. Absolutely, and I'm really glad that Reginald asked that question, because I, I I'm sure we would have gotten to it sooner or later, but I didn't really think about it up to this point. Um. So, those are all the emails. Thank you to everybody that emailed in. And if you've not emailed yet, we want to hear from you, you, you. So, uh, we're going to start covering the Android Saga after these messages. Hey, Kids Comics. Hey, Michael. Yeah? We need to do a new promo. A new one? A new one. Why? Because we've moved. Moved? Moved. We've moved to a new place. We still read comics. We do. We still talk about comics. Because you can't do a comic book podcast unless you read and talk about comics, because that's kind of stupid. But now, we have a new episode still available every Thursday, but at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Hey, Kids Comics! So remember, Hey, Kids Comics has moved to twotruefreaks.libson.com. Still, every Thursday. That'll do, won't it? You've been studied with an eye towards how best to beat you on behalf of the Red Ribbon Army. So you've got a grudge. Your actions almost single-handedly led to their ultimate disgrace and disbandment. Dr. Jiro was humiliated. And what's that to you? You almost talk about it like you are the doctor. That is absurd. I am a superior form of artificial life created by a mind of incalculable genius. Dr. Jiro himself is no longer among us. All right. 
So what about the battle between me and Frieza? Did you spy on that? There was little point. The sum total of information extracted from your prior battles provided a superb data model. Therefore, any gains in strength at this juncture would be sufficiently offset by your age. To all intents and purposes, your limits are clear. You might think you know everything there is to know about me, but really, you're not even close. Hmm? Your calculations. Did they predict that Goku would be a Super Saiyan? Super Saiyan? And we're back with our coverage of today's episodes. Start us off, Jesse. Uh, coming on from last episode, we pick up with Goku leading the androids away from the city to avoid any collateral damage. The rest of the Z fighters, including a very scared Yamcha, following in pursuit. Before the fighting begins, Goku demands the androids tell him how they know about him. And it is revealed through a flashback that they've been using insect-shaped, well, ladybug-shaped surveillance drones to keep an eye on him. We're shown uh, his, his fighting in the martial arts tournaments and with Vegeta and um, I think a few others. But mostly, I see Tien, which I don't recognize, obviously, but I see a fight with Tien and I think Yamcha and Vegeta. I know there's a, there's a shot of him fighting uh, Piccolo. Like King, King oh, Piccolo. yes, yeah, King Piccolo. Yeah, he used, and he's, he's obviously, it's like him growing up. He's younger at the beginning and he eventually becomes an adult. It's a hell of a grudge. <laughs> Yeah, so pretty much all through his life. And basically they've been studying his fighting powers, prowess and learning all his techniques, so they believe they have not beat. They have noted every encounter he's had, except for the small one, the detour he had to Planet Namek. And <laughs> Android 20 says, well, that's pretty much inconsequential anyway. <laughs> Silly androids. Whoops. Meanwhile, Tien has noticed that Goku is extremely sweaty. Much too much, much too sweaty to have just only flown. He hasn't done any fighting yet. <laughs> Piccolo pretty much sums it up with, "Well, your data modules aren't calibrated for Super Saiyan." <laughs> and with that, Goku busts into Super Saiyan mode, and Android Twenty, who pretty much is a mouthpiece for the two units, decides, while unexpected, the threat is negligible, and Android Nineteen steps forward to attack. Right. The two are fairly evenly matched until Goku outmaneuvers 19 and lands an elbow that sends him flying into a mountain. Uh, Android 20 seems shocked at this move, and Tien is kind of elated. Uh, 19 charges at Goku, who stops him with one hand and punts him into the air. I love that. I it's love it's that. very awesome, yeah. It's almost like the high school bully, like, ah, you can't get me. <laughs> Tien is in awe at this display of power. And at the amount of fighting and the speed that Goku's showing, while Piccolo has, seems perturbed and kind of like, he's, well, he's very introverted at this point. He's noticing what Goku's fighting. He's paying very close attention to it. In between blows, Goku starts to show signs of fatigue. At this point, Krillin, Yamcha, and Gohan also arrive and discuss Goku's apparent sloppy technique. Goku goes in for a Kamehameha blast, which doesn't work as planned as Android 19 absorbs it completely. 
mm. getting all that strength from it. So Goku's strength fails, and the android's growing stronger, and he attempts another blast, but stops and clenches his heart in pain. Piccolo correctly deduces that the virus that Trunks spoke of is attacking him, even though Krillin says, well, he should have taken the cure so I don't get what's wrong. Gohan turns out, well, he didn't see any symptoms, so he didn't take a cure. <laughs> and every, every doctor goes, you idiot. <laughs> Damn it, Goku. <laughs> Great stuff. Krillin, Krillin tosses Goku a sensu bean, but it proves useless as the virus is apparently affecting his heart and he still isn't able to, I guess, use the sensu bean. So he, Goku reverts back to his default form from his Super Saiyan form. And at this point, the Z Fighters finally decide to help, only to be intercepted by Android 20. Piccolo attempts to run shop, but gets laser beamed through the chest <laughs> by, by Android's, 20 laser, la, 20, la, yeah, Android's 20's eye lasers, and falls to the ground defeated. And uh, quickly, Gohan goes after him, all sad-like. <laughs> uh, Android 19 is siphoning all of the energy he can get out of Goku, but this is interrupted by the arrival of Vegeta. Oh, yes. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, quite awesome arrival, also. Vegeta, Vegeta has the best arrival. Vegeta and Piccolo have the best arrival scenes in the entire show. I'm convinced of that. They do, absolutely. Everyone, everyone is surprised, including Piccolo, who turns out is okay, as he was using that as a distraction to rescue Goku. And he's not really, he kind of scolds Gohan for believing that that attack would actually hurt him. <laughs> Even though it looked like it was a laser beam through the heart. But yeah, I don't know, maybe. Whatever. Maybe Piccolo has, has uh, you know. His heart in his neck or something, I don't know. <laughs> Vegeta kicks Goku to Piccolo, who grabs him with one hand. It's extremely rough. And tells him to take him home and get him his cure. Gohan uh, suggests he's going to take his dad home, but Yamcha, cor correctly deducing that he is completely useless, says <laughs> he will take him. And so he can, uh, so he, say, he even says, so he can be of use and take Goku home. Meanwhile, Yajirobe... <laughs> is getting tinkled on by baby Trunks, and Bulma decides it's time to actually check out the androids, because, you know, that makes perfect sense with your baby and everything. Yeah. God. Her and Yajirobe do a, uh, quite a bit of bickering. Uh, she calls him... She calls him very cowardly, and that she's not... You know, he's not on the way, and he lets her know that he cannot fly. Right. I love that part. He's like, eh, I, I can't fly. Lady, I can't fly. So, at this point, Yajirobe, Bulma, and her infant son all board the plane to set off to <laughs> join the action, which is the biggest contention I have with Bulma at this point. You are a horrible mother. Uh, how, yeah, how, how can you not have a problem with this? Any mothers have a problem with this? Android 19 asks permission from Android 20, which is kind of odd, but we'll get back to that. Android 19 asks permission to destroy Vegeta, and 20 tells him that he's... A glutton, basically, and he agrees to it as long as he can have the last four fighters. Vegeta then asks if androids are truly capable of feeling, feel, feeling fear. And at this point, Vegeta goes Super Saiyan. <gasps> or, as the uh, title card says, Super Vegeta. <laughs> and I, li I like that phrase better, just Super Vegeta. He calls himself that at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, he, oh, yeah, I'll get to that. <laughs> Everybody is in shock. And Krillin asks, well, how is this possible? I thought you had to be pure of heart to be a Super Saiyan. Vegeta goes, oh yes, I am pure of heart. My heart is pure of hate. <laughs> pure evil. For some reason. Evil, that's a evil, yeah. He, he lets everybody know that, yes, he is a bad guy. My, my heart is pure evil. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we then get a flashback of Vegeta killing some thunderstorms when he 
admits that his self-hate at not being able to be stronger than Goku allowed him to become Super Saiyan. So at 19 goes on the offensive, but Vegeta shrugs it off and eventually causes both androids to be taken aback, coldly smiling, and says, It's my turn. And he just destroys 19. Mm. He's thrown around like a rag doll until he ends up in the middle of a crater, and Vegeta floats down to him, stands above him, and all seems to be going in his way. But then he grabs him. He grabs him, and he starts to absorb his energy. Dum-dum-dum. Well, this doesn't really have the effect that 19 was working, that he wanted, as Vegeta simply puts his feet onto his head and kicks until he has both, both of the android's arms attached to him, throws him off, and th- what this accomplishes is that it takes the nodes, which are how he gets the how he absorbs power, rips those off, and at this point, their android's pretty much useless. He he can't siphon power, so he's useless. He's total, he's totally beaten. Oh yeah, and he, his hat's fallen off. You, or I think yeah, his, his arms, his clothes are shredded. He tries to scramble out of the <laughs> he tries to scramble out of the crater. This is my favorite part of the whole episode, sir. Vegeta announces his next move as if he was in a fighting game. Oh, yeah? Now, Super Vegeta's Big Bang Attack. Awesome. And uh, the, re- the resulting mushroom cloud gives Bulma a location to head for. Also, they, they see it from where they're at. It's, it's a huge destruction, like, everywhere. It's like an atom bomb went off. Uh, at this point, Android 20... Starts, uh, well, he's trying. He's trying to talk smack for a little while, and then he eventually just decides to flee. <laughs> because obviously he, he probably can't beat Vegeta because Vegeta's friggin' awesome. So after taking one sensu beam because of the energy that the android did manage to siphon from him, he pursues him. Piccolo expresses how awesome Vegeta is as strategy, and pretty much gloats over him for a while. And then the Z fighters follow suit. Huh? 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 Over there. Yeah, but who? Trunks is back. Huh? Trunks? How bizarre. He has the same name as my son. Wait a second. A Super Saiyan from the future? Of course. It has to be. He's my son. Unbelievable. Uh, well, uh, shortly after. After everybody arrives at the mountainous region that 20 is hiding, uh, Vegeta begins to uh, take or throw a beam to flatten the level out and flush the android out, which doesn't work as 20 runs up to the beam and siphons com- all of it. Like this is, I guess this is another of the Big Bang attacks. It looks very similar. Yeah, it did. I, I, th- I was confused if it, if it was or not. He doesn't scream it, but it looked very similar. I agree. I guess he figures, you know, I told you what it was once, you don't really need to see. <laughs> yeah, Android 20 gets all of it, and he's elated at all this power he has. Uh, Vegeta tries to come at him, but he's too quick, and he ends up like disappearing pretty much, and hide it. he says he's going to hide until he has absorbed enough power to attack Vegeta. He, at this point, he also notices the Z Fighters um, looking around for him and tries to figure out which one he will siphon from. He chooses Piccolo as... I don't know if it's said here, but at some point it's said that Piccolo's probably the second strongest next to Vegeta. I think 20 does so, yeah, that. that. Yeah. And in an interesting reversal, he, while he attacks Piccolo and grabs him and is siphoning his energy, Gohan actually comes to the aid of Piccolo and saves him, which I love this scene. Mm. 
the uh, he he basically kicks like kicks his head with his with his foot and obviously he falls off Piccolo. This display of power from Gohan alerts the others as to the location and knocks Tony's head off, revealing a brain encased in glass. <laughs> Not unlike the villain from the uh, the first movie, I thought. Yeah, uh, uh, movie two, uh, the world's strongest. Yeah, Dr. Uh, movie two, yes. Twenty finds himself surrounded. Piccolo is looking for some payback and demands that Vegeta not interfere. Well, Piccolo's clearly winning this fight, much to Twenty's amazement, and he has his inner monologues wondering how he cannot defeat him. You know why he's not strong enough. Well, Piccolo pretty much uh, tells him that you may have siphoned some of my power, but you don't know how to use it, mm. which I thought was very interesting. At this point, Trunks arrives from the future, or he's been here, we don't know, he just kind of shows up. And at first believes that the fight's over, as he, and that he's too late, as he, he's, he arrives at the area that Goku fought at. Mm-hmm. And he notices, or you know, he arrives at the island, then he notices Android 20's head, and he laments that it's not the same Android that he's aware of from his future. Android 19's head. And, oh, I'm sorry, Android 19's head, yeah. And he, he's in shock, basically, because this isn't what he's used to. So he doesn't know what the future's going to bring at this point. Okay, uh, he, he also sees some of the destruction coming from Piccolo's fight. And with that, Trunks has a location to go to. Uh, he also bypasses Bulma's ship and further confirms that Bulma's heading in the right direction. Somehow, she says, this looks like the future, the kid from the future, which I don't see how with how fast he's going. Yeah, I know. Mother Instinct. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, while her and Yajirobe are bickering, she lets slip that Vegeta is the father of the baby that, the brat that Yajirobe's holding, and his tune changes very quickly. He's about to throw the baby out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to throw this baby out. <laughs> Vegeta's the father of this brat, I mean this gorgeous baby. <laughs> we'll quickly learn that Vegeta may not necessarily care about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, where were we? Uh... Twenty's getting mauled by okay, Piccolo. Okay, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So Twenty's getting his, his, his butt whooped, and Piccolo manages to rip off the arm of Twenty and crush it, and that, uh, that's where he actually explains that he could have siphoned his energy, but he wouldn't know how to use it. At this point, the battle seems won. Everybody's kind of elated that the androids have been defeated because Twenty's pretty much useless. At this, and also, Trunks arrives, and that's when, well, Piccolo inadvertently lets slip that he's, his name, and Vegeta overhears this, and is kind of in shock for a moment. <laughs> but, he doesn't worry about it, he just says, oh, he must be from the future. His son. My son? Yes. A Super Saiyan from the future! Of course! I don't believe it! <laughs> uh, Trunks also tells him that these are not the androids that he has fought, and that... <gasps> Time is different, dum-dum-dum. While Android 20 deduces that even if he dies, Androids 18 and 17 will come after him, will come after his attackers and defeat them. Which, dum-dum-dum, there's more, two more Androids? What? For, <laughs> yeah, no. And with this, he unleashes a devastating attack that destroys Bulma's incoming ship. No! Can anyone survive? <laughs> the most valuable character in the entire all right uh thank you that was yeah that was a lot that happened but uh we got a lot to talk about so jesse since you started us off what are you thinking so far just tell, just give me your uh whatever you got in terms of notes what do you think what are you thinking uh i really dug the fights um i like that goku's kind of out of the game early mm-hmm I mean, it's a stereotypical move. You know, you kind of knock him out and he comes back later on, probably, more than likely. But I kind of thought it, it showcased 
Goku's an intelligent character, but he also has faults, and not taking the medication because he saw no symptoms is one of them. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, in fairness, I don't really blame him because I, I would probably, you know, if I'm not feeling sick, why well, waste the medicine? But at the same time, you probably want to take it just to preempt any infection. So. And uh, Vegeta also, when he arrives, he berates him for <laughs> not realizing that going Super Saiyan accentuates the effects of the virus. Mm-hmm. So this virus could have been dormant for a long time. Going Super Saiyan simply makes it more active. Yeah, he says, you know, you you get the idea that Vegeta actually was there the whole time, but was just watching and observing the entrance. He says, you, you notice the effects of the virus, but you went Super Saiyan anyway, which agitated it. You fool. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty much... And he also makes a notice of um, how shocked they were when, when Goku went Super Saiyan. So, yeah, he was sitting back watching. What do you think of the fight between him and 19? I thought it was interesting how they showed Goku, like, you know, sort of just mauling on him. I mean, obviously, 19 didn't feel anything because he's an android, even if he was getting beaten. But uh, what do you think about the, the revelation that throughout the entire time? Like, for instance, Tien at first notices that Goku's out of breath. Piccolo is talking about Goku's fighting technique, and then it's slowly revealed over time how beaten he is. What, what, how are you thinking about that? Um, look, at, it, it looked like, well, uh, Piccolo mentioned that it was sloppy. It looked like it was Goku kind of kind of Hail Mary, kind of very, you know, intense. Putting his all in. Even his fighting style, yeah, because normally, you know, he's he's not going to be the most determined character. He's going to offer somebody, you know, oh, walk away, you know, I don't want to hurt you. you. Do you give up? And in this, he's very he's very intense and very um, focused. Much right. more so than he seemed like he would be normally. Yeah, he's kind of pulling his all into it, it seems like. Um, yeah, I agree. I like that fight between him and 19, because first of all, I think uh, the animation style, which you don't typically talk about, it's not my favorite animation style, um, but I think the animation between him and fighting fighting 19 is pretty good, because Goku's moving really, really fast, and like I said, I, I like that shot where he just like stops his head and punts him in the sky. Oh, um, that was the best. But I, I liked the fact that it showed Goku really fighting kind of stupid, because Piccolo had Flat out tells him, don't use energy attacks after the Kamehameha is sucked up. Because, and, then Piccolo, and then Goku tries to do it anyway. And like he says, you fool! And then Goku just stops. And you can tell he's, he's, really des- he's fighting very desperately, not very smartly, which Goku typically does fight a little more intelligently than that. So it was interesting to see Goku shown to be kind of a bad fighter, at least in, in this instance. Yeah, and that mixed with uh, the next fight, which is Vegeta's fight, I thought. Which... He, Piccolo even explains that he did it extremely strategically. Yes. And so it's a good juxtaposition. And uh, when, the, when he goes Super Saiyan, Piccolo says, wow, if, if he's Super Saiyan, even Goku may not be able to defeat him. <laughs> That's surprising news to hear. <laughs> what did you think about, um, here's a question. What, what did you think about, oh, well, first to kind of start it off, Vegeta as a Super Saiyan just, just throughout this entire, just throughout this entire, even the episodes we're not going over yet. What do you think about him as a Super Saiyan? And his cocky ass. Uh, he, you know, he says he, he learned how to do it, and he's never been so m- much more elated. And on one hand, this is something this character strived for since he's been introduced, or since the concept of a Super Saiyan's been introduced. He assumed, well, that's me. So on one hand, I'm kind of glad that he finally did it. You know, it's like, hey, you kind of feel good for the guy. Like, pat on the back, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he is so damn cocky the entire time. I mean, and with good reason, because he is clearly mopping the floor at this point. So, you know, for him to, to be able to so easily defeat somebody that Goku couldn't, it's got to feel good. 
Oh, that's true. That's right. Yeah, he, he destroys 19 where Goku had trouble because of the virus. I mean, I think the, this is probably like the most... It's odd to say, but like in character, as in, you know, full of himself, Vegeta is ever because he's so... He can hardly stop smiling. <laughs> and it's just, you know... I mean, he's fighting pretty brilliantly. Like, like, I, like I like the scene where he actually does allow 19 to siphon his energy and shows that he's... Even though at the same time 19 is siphoning his energy... Vegeta is so strong, he, he kicks it off anyway. I thought that was a really cool scene where he kicks his uh, his arms off and the arms are stuck to his wrists and then he debuts his Big Bang attack, which from now on is his, is, is his main technique. Which sounds really goofy, but at the same time it's awesome. Super Vegeta's Big Bang attack? Yeah. I, anytime you use it in the uh, the video games, he literally does the same thing where he like says, Get this! Super Vegeta's Big Bang attack! And it shoots off. And in some cases, if it's, the damage is a lot, it li you see it from space, it, it has an entire mushroom cloud. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, uh, Lord. Um, what did you, how did you feel about the fact that he kind of just showed up and and became a Super Saiyan? Was that was that fine for you, or, or did it kind of uh, take the interest out of uh, out of? Um, well, let me let me ask this a different way. This is the third Super Saiyan we've seen, and pretty and like almost every episode we record, we see a new, another Super Saiyan. Is the Super Saiyan uh, concepts uh, being worn out by this point for you, or is it still interesting to see? Uh, it's still very interesting because, I mean, they haven't really gone into a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think, I think the time skips we're having and the time travel mechanisms kind of make it, kind of is a little more forgiving. If Gohan just went Super Saiyan, I'd kind of have a problem, but Trunks goes Super Saiyan you're, and you explain that, oh, well, he's from the future. He's been training since, you know, birth or, or whatever. Right. You can kind of you don't know what what he's been through. Vegeta's been training for three years, and they flash back to you know his training and how he achieved it. So it's not out of the blue necessarily. Yeah, if someone like Gohan went Super Saiyan, like you know next episode, then I'm gonna have a problem with it because it there's no precedence for it at this point. I see what you're saying. So it's not like with, it's with his of, character it's, anyway. It's sort of like when when Goku became a Super Saiyan, we saw basically his whole training and fighting process up to when he became it. So. Like that was, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, that was sort of out of the blue in that it just happened. With the other characters, there's a there's a passage of time which allows for them to go through that, so that we don't see. Yeah, I mean, you get the idea that Vegeta's been training for you know for three years or whatever for this to happen, like, and it has a small flashback which uh, is more of a revelation a revelation about his own character than anything else that allows him to go past that like a mental block. And with Trunks, it's I mean, it's kind of a it's a it's a get out of jail free card with oh well I'm from the future and you don't know what kind of training I've done. Uh okay sure. Also in the Trunks special we'll see how Trunks become a, became a Super Saiyan which is actually one of the one of the really awesome uh, scenes in in the DBZ anime. But uh, I won't say more about that. Um I was gonna, and also talking about that scene the flashback of Vegeta becoming a Super Saiyan. In the manga, it's interesting because in the manga, there's rarely a flashback shown. We just see Vegeta's literally standing there talking and giving exposition, which is... I like, I like the idea that Vegeta just shows up because Super Saiyan says, You're probably wondering how I got, got to the stage. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> it all started in. But um, in the Funimation dub, I mean the original Funimation uh, dub before, Kai, before they came out with Kai, I remember uh, the translation was that he became so upset at his his just frustration in general, his training and his striving and his getting nowhere that he hit a wall and decided that he didn't care about Goku, he didn't care about getting stronger, he didn't care if he even survived. And that anger gave him the ability to become become a Super Saiyan. 
in the Kai version, which is actually the original version, he became so upset at his uh, frustration to not beat Goku that he became a Super Saiyan. Which version would you say you prefer? Because his his anger at becoming as not being better than Goku is in his character, but I think it's, I think the Funimation translation had it interesting that he kind of just stopped being mad at everything and just became a Super Saiyan. Which one do you think you like? The one that you saw or the one that I just told you about? I think I go with the one I saw. I mean, I'd, obviously I want to see the other version too, but mm-hmm. the the version I saw it does seem like it's very in character for him to be just so. In Goku's shadow at this point. Yeah, I, I, I hate doing that to you. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you stuff and saying, what do you think? But, it uh, sounds like a good idea. I mean, it sounds like a, a, a very, like a growth as a character for Vegeta to just kind of let it all go, to kind of just be so, I don't know, like so bare, because he is a character that has like a lot of nuances to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I gotta say, though, I, I do like that idea that he had been fed up with with being stronger than Goku and that anger at his at that kind of and it's almost kind of the same thing but uh I remember people talking about how Funimation totally destroyed the scene <laughs> because him saying I don't care about Kakarot is out of character for him and I don't know I, I don't know if it would be or not maybe maybe it is but like cuz I mean, in the original version he was so angry at him not being stronger than became a Super Saiyan I think the the idea that he's so upset at his own failings that he's just tired of the whole thing and he becomes Super Saiyan that way. Actually, honestly, I do find that more interesting, I gotta say. Um, it's hard for me to prefer something that's not from the original text, but I do like that uh, version. I'm not it out there because our listeners might be interested to see which version they like more. But um, I mean, I thought the scene in general was really good. I, I like I like the, the lighting around and how that dark blue planet was sort of lit up by Super Saiyan energy. I thought it was really cool. But... Um, it's, it's, it's a point that people like to talk about in terms of the dub and how things get right or wrong or whatever. Um, now, what, what did you think about the convenience of Goku? Uh, I think you said that like it was a little bit... Um, you said that you liked that Goku was taken out of the fight. Uh, through the, well, I like that he was shown to have a character flaw in that he... Yes. You know, that he basically didn't, he didn't realize, hey, I should stop fighting. I shouldn't go Super Saiyan. You know? Yeah. I thought I, it was an interesting... Especially, you know, juxtapositioned with Vegeta being the strategic strategist that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I I like that. Um, he's shown to be so bullheaded, really, that he that leads to his downfall. Do you? Th- what do you think about the fact that it, the heart virus was the excuse to take him out? Do you think that was like a bit convenient, or do you think that it was it used well because of the uh, the time stream being altered? I mean, it had. A, the, I think if. It wasn't established beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like if Trunks came, <laughs> if, Tr- if Trunks literally came in just now. Oh, he has a heart virus. Who's a cure? Take him and go get, go give it to him. I mean, granted, this is like a, you know, basically, you know, it's Chekhov's gun. You know, it's going to come into play later on at some point. Yeah, but I, uh, I thought it's probably the most realistic way to get him out of the, or, or the best played way to get him out of the fight. If if that's something you feel the plot needs to be done, because otherwise, it'd probably be a short saga. Right. <laughs> There's a reason why the, the, saga, the, the saga goes the way it does, but I'll, I'll talk about that after I get through my synopsis. Because uh, there's a lot of like like left turns that this, this storyline takes. Um, the, the only reason I put that up is that I remember listening to a Kanzenshi podcast and them going over their manga review. They put out the question whether that was a bit too inconvenient. And I think it works fine. Um, I think that if you're going to have introduced that whole plot point of, you know, you had a heart virus and he gives him a, a medicine to take, I think it would be a bit pointless to say to say, 
well, Goku took the medicine and Heart Virus never showed up. I mean, it's, it, it provides an explanation as to why he died in Trunks' timeline, but we don't care if it's, if it's just mentioned and solved in our timeline. That's actually, that actually would have been a writing flaw if Goku had gotten over the Heart Virus without us seeing it. So I yeah. think that, like uh, him having it at the wrong time is actually pretty good drama. And I, and I like the fact that Gohan and Piccolo recognize it before the others do because they train with him. I think that's pretty cool. Because Piccolo's like, Piccolo's, you know, Mr. Judgmental saying, you know, he's rushing the fight, and his technique is sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> um, what do you think about the androids so far, 19, well, I guess 19, 20, because 19's destroyed and 20 won't last. Uh, I like them. I, th- I find it interesting that uh, they show emotion, which um, I'll have more to say about that when you're doing synopsizing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And uh, particularly like, how they go about being made is is an interesting concept, which they actually delved into more than I thought they would. Uh, I, Absorption techniques. Yeah, yeah, that, and I like how it's a different villain than what we've seen. You know, it's a while while clearly a science fiction villain, it's an Earth based villain, mm-hmm. and they are extremely different than what we're used to. So I'm really digging them so far. I mean, what's left of them. <laughs> it was lovely. They don't last very long. Um, I appreciate the designs. I like the fact that uh, that um, nineteen and twenty don't look like fighters. It's a fat clown guy. At all, yeah. Yeah, it's a fat clown guy and Sam Elliott. So um, I, <laughs> with a caveman brow. So I think that they look really unconventional. Watch, I, I I like Toriyama is a great designer anyway. So I like the fact that they kind of switch it up. They don't look like muscly people or aliens or anything like that. Um, we'll get more to them later on because I actually have some some uh, uh, background information on that. But um, interesting. Uh, I will say that one of my favorite cliffhangers in DBZ, and it's, this goes back to the original episodes. But like, I love the fact that Trunks comes back, says, "Oh no, I'm too late." Uh, sees that the fight's still going on, flies towards the desiccated head of 19, and says, "What the hell is this? This is what I know of the future. What's what? Is, what's wrong?" So I, I think that's really cool. And when he shows up uh, to the fight and says, this one's different too. What is go- I love the fact that he is flipped out because these are not what he was talking about. I think, yeah, I think it's interesting that he's a character who comes back and expects to know how everything's going to go. And he's just out of the loop as everyone else. What did you, what did you think about when he said, like, you know, this isn't what I was talking about? <laughs> I was like, hmm. I kind of had some uh, ideas. Which I'll explain in a little bit, but I I was like, okay, maybe maybe they alter the future. Maybe this is an alternate timeline from what he knows. I know. Uh, science. Um, there's no reason I should have said that. <laughs> um, and I think that's. I hope I'm not missing anything. That's pretty much all of my. Uh, let me go over. What'd you think of Yarobi or what'd you think of Yamcha being a complete sissy? Oh, um. I didn't like it when he said, you know, I'll, okay, okay I'll, I'll, I'll tag along, but I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to fight because it really made him out to be a wuss. But, um, I mean, I would like to think that he just says that, but it's going to go along anyway. Otherwise, he could have really well just stayed with Bulma. Maybe he, maybe he didn't want to be with Bulma because it would make him look even worse. Um, <laughs> Bulma and Yashiro be like, oh, no, I'm not with these guys. Uh, on one hand, I think it's a good character beat that he's terrified now since they absorbed his energy. But uh, Krillin's terrified, but he still goes along, you know. Right, that's that's yeah, that's the difference between Yamcha and Krillin. <laughs> Krillin's head, actually, Krillin actually has balls. Well, I mean, to us, I like how Yamcha. I really like how all the Z fighters are played here because Krillin's Mr. Senzu Bean Man, uh, Tien's Mr. Commentary. But Yamcha does Yamcha. If it wasn't for Yamcha, they wouldn't know that the androids absorb energy. So he does serve a legitimate purpose, and he shows up to tell them that. 
And even uh, Twenty says, you know, ah, since he's still alive, the Zinzin beans really do work. So even if Yamcha isn't the strongest and, you know, is kind of a wuss, I like the fact that he says, no, let me take Goku home. You know, I'm, I'm no good here. And I like the the bit where he uh, is flying home. Says you're gonna get better in no no time, Goku. Because he was really like he was one of the original characters. So I think it's a nice uh, use of his character. You know, even if he doesn't participate in the fights, he is still being used. So it's it's, it's good. I like it. I don't think there's anything else I like about this. I do like the fact that. Uh, oh yeah, that, that's that's one thing. Um, number twenty, Doctor Zero. <laughs> number twenty. Um, T- gives gives oh yeah it is revealed to be Doctor Jerome. Well, right before well, he... well, Palma says Doctor Jerome. Yeah, we 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 can we can pull the trigger on that. I don't, it's not a big thing. This, this is basically Doctor Jerome. I w- I would say that like whenever I was first watching this, and it, we're under the uh, we're under the assumption that that Doctor Jerome has has died. I remember for some reason I always thought in my head, you know, they say number twenty, but I bet she's gonna be Doctor Jerome. I was I was not surprised when that turned out to be true. Um, but you know, I wasn't either. I kind of thought the same thing. Uh, now, I'm assuming in Dragon Ball we never met Dr. Shiro? You assume correctly, sir. And it's hilarious because they talk about, you know, like, oh, you, your direct, your interference in the Red Ribbon Army's plans led to the Army's immediate disgrace and disbandment. Dr. Shiro was humiliated. Like, we never saw the guy in the entire series. I was going to mention that. And um, I find it really funny because... The, oh, oh, yeah, I actually need to mention this because we do see more androids later on. That this actually isn't the first time we've seen androids in Dragon Ball Z. I don't know why I mentioned this before, but in Dragon Ball, we actually the very first android we saw was Android Number Eight, and he was an he, was, he looked a lot goofier because it was Dragon Ball. It was a lot less taken seriously. But when Goku first went up against the Red Ribbon Army, he ran into this uh, this android Number Eight, who looked he was basically designed to look exactly like Frankenstein. That's what he looks like with the the flat head and the the clothes and everything, and um, he. Uh, Goku went up against him, and he actually turned out to be a, his major character design flaw was that he turned out to be a good guy, and so he went on Goku's side, and, you know, basically lived a peaceful life. But um, it's interesting that, that the androids are have all given numbers as names, and that was the very first one. And uh, there's a lot more of, of plot uh, development in terms of like the androids and the Red Ribbon Army later on. But um, so in the intervening years, he's made eleven androids. Indeed, yeah, indeed he has. Indeed he has. Like like that's actually. That's not specifically said in the in the story, but like in the um, in the manga, in terms of like you know certain covers, Akira Toriyama, Akira Toriyama actually wrote out a uh, a, uh, a basically a, a summation of all the androids, and you actually see Doctor Jiro before he was turned into an android. It's not an image from Dragon Ball, but it's sort of like you know uh, extra material in the in the manga volume. And um, he basically he literally looked like Sam Elliott. Like he wore like this old timey like eighteen eighteen hundreds clothes, and <laughs> he had like his mustache and regular eyes. It was it was funny. But he said uh, he did say that um, androids uh, nine through fifteen were all failures that he ended up destroying. Although androids thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen were um, closer to the finished product. And we will see androids thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen in DBZ movie seven. <laughs> How's that for a tease? Huh. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I also like the like like the fact that when Goku turned into a Super Saiyan, I like when 19 said new data transformation does not match Kaioken. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw. I like that too. That was a that was like a kind of not a throwback, but kind of a reference to what the I guess the only techniques they would know at this point. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like you know they do, they do know their crap. Um, 
Oh, here's something. Uh, and I keep on bringing up all this stuff that I'm, I'm remembering. I didn't really buy Piccolo's hole. I had it all figured out until Vegeta ruined my plans. <laughs> I thought it was kind of crap. You think he's like trying to cover his own ass for making it look good, good for Gohan? No, I, I, I had it all figured out. I, that Vegeta. He ruined everything. I mean, I don't, I, I don't doubt that he kind of faked being beaten because he destroys Tony later on. But it's a little things are happening so fast. I don't know exactly what was going on that that he allowed himself to get shot in the in the cape or whatever. Because he's like like um, number twenty is like you know I won't allow any of you to interfere. Who has the balls? And then Piccolo's like I do, and he just gets taken out. <laughs> is there, what was your plan, man? I don't know. Is it, yeah. And like I like when Krillin at that point says, "Hey, Goku has his heart virus, and these injuries look pretty scary. We should probably leave right now. Isn't the part where we get killed?" And Tien's like, I'm, I'm, I'm staying. And there's a funny line where Vegeta says to Krillin, why don't you guys go home and have your milk and cookies and leave the, the fight into the big bad guys? Whatever. Um, those are basically all my notes, I think. I think that's a, those are pretty much it. Anything do you have? Uh, no, I think I'm I'm finished with that that section also. Okay, yeah. So um, we'll take a brief uh, promo break, and we'll be back to finish off this synopsis for these episodes. Gather together. From the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman Golden Age Superman The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast The New 52 Adventures of Superman Superman Forever Radio I've got a few things to say about Superman The Kara's World Podcast The Superman Vidcast The World's Best Podcast And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Yunus, and co host Scotty V at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Everything you told us has been wrong! What the hell are you playing at? You said that Jiro was killed off by his own damned androids. And the ones we did fight weren't the right ones, were they? Yeah, it's true. Events are unfolding differently than I thought they would. And my messing with the past so much is probably what's responsible. You mentioned number 17 and number 18. Those are the pair from your future, aren't they? Quickly now, tell us what they look like. We can't afford to be careless any longer. Yes, you're right. Seventeen is a young man with long black hair and a scarf tied around his neck. Eighteen's a girl, blonde hair to her shoulders. If she wasn't evil, I might call her cute. Whoa, a girl? Wasn't expecting that. They both wear earrings, round ones, so that might help you identify them. And their eyes are as cold as ice. Right. And do they also absorb power through their hands? Uh, absorb? No, these are much worse. These androids' powers last forever. <laughs> 
No! Infinite power is a myth! You're just too weak. Uh, we can argue about their specs later. Where's Goku? Well, you remember that heart disease you told us he was going to get? Turns out he only came down with it now! So the original timeline's really been thrown off that far. Goku! Hold on. Goku! Please just hang in there! Oh! Honey! Woman, tell me you know the location of Dr. Giroux's laboratory. I'm sure he's headed back there as we speak. I think it's in the mountains over by North City. At least that's where it used to be. Rumor had it that he converted some empty cave into a secret hideout. How on earth are we gonna catch up with him now that we've been standing here talking? Stop being dense. No one actually saw him fly off into the distance. <gasps> Wait, he's invisible? No, he's fleeing on foot and using the terrain to stay out of sight. The Mad Doctor couldn't have gotten very far! I see. So you're saying that we should still have plenty of time to beat Jiro back to his lair and destroy those two wicked androids before he has a chance to activate them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing so cowardly for this Saiyan Prince. The moment Jiro activates his two creations, I'm taking them on! That chunky one barely put up a fight! I demand a worthier opponent! <laughs> Listen, you don't understand how powerful the androids really are! Piccolo's right. We should destroy them now. This might be the only chance that we get! <laughs> wait! If you're going to fight them no matter what, at least wait until Goku's feeling better. Don't do it by yourself! Why would I wait for that miserable low class? I am every bit the warrior he is. Are you really that blind? There's no way that commoner's Super Saiyan powers exceed mine. I am royalty! Now get out of my way! And we're back. Last time we left off, uh, number 20 threatened the threat of androids 17 and 18 while destroying everything around him, including Bulma's ship. When the dust clears, we learn that Bulma and Yajirobe and Little Baby Trunks are alive, but not thanks to the Z Fighters, thanks to Trunks. Um, and it's not thanks to Vegeta. Yeah, Vegeta, all he can th all he can do is curse that uh, number twenty, now known to be Doctor Shiro, <laughs> has has fled. Um, it's at this point that I'll I'll start referring to adult Trunks or older Trunks as future Trunks because that's actually the uh, the fan name for him. So because there, like, literally, we have a scene where Trunks is holding Trunks, which I I, I think it's pretty cool. But I'll just call him Future Trunks, unless unless it's convenient to just call him Trunks. That's that's enough times I I say the word Trunks. Anyway, so I just say Future Trunks and Baby Trunks. Oh yeah, there you go. Future Trunks and Baby Trunks, or Mirai No Trunks. Uh, <laughs> so Bulma and Little Baby Trunks. Actually, Bulma and Little Baby Trunks are saved. Jajirobe just landed on the on the ground. So <laughs> no one cares about him. No one does. So Trunks, uh, damn it! Future Trunks actually is <laughs> staring holes into Vegeta. Vegeta's saying, "Damn, he's gone! I won't, he, I won't let him get away. I'll hunt him down soon." So he flies right into his face and says, "Hey, why didn't you save your wife and child? What's wrong with you?" So Vegeta says, I, "I don't care about them. They're weak. I have no time for sentiment. Get out of my way!" And Trunks is sh shell shocked. This is his first time meeting his father, and he's a total bastard. <laughs> so, uh, mm. um. So, um, Bulma says, huh, those are the androids, huh? It's interesting because that, I'm pretty sure that was Dr. Jiro. I've seen his picture in some old, uh, uh, scientist photographs. So Krillin tells the Trunks that that was actually Dr. Jiro. And, um, since Dr. Jiro mentioned that he was going to activ activate other androids, 
they're all saying, you know, the future is pretty, pretty. <laughs> this is not, this is not actually what's happening. And um, Vegeta is, is the one who says, you know, what's wrong with you? You told us that there were two androids, not four. So they surmise that for some reason the timeline is completely screwed up by Trunks's turning back into, you know, going back in the past. Trunks even mentions that, you know, where is Goku? Why is he around? It says, well, he got the heart virus, so they got him. They went back to give him the, uh, the antidote. So he says, yeah, he wasn't supposed to get it this late. He should have gotten it already. So um, since Bulma seems to be the one who actually knows more about Dr. Jiro, and they, they figure that he actually turned himself into an android, she says, uh, they're about to describe where he's going, but before then, Piccolo says, you better tell us what these androids look like so we don't want to be caught again. So Trunks says, okay, Android 17 and 18. 17 is a kid with black hair and a bandana around his neck. 18 is a girl. Who, with clothes similar to mine. Both of them have hoop earrings and icy stares. If she weren't evil, I'd call her cute. Which I thought was weird. Um, and they don't drain energy because they have infinite energy which lasts forever. That's pretty scary. Um, so they asked Bulma where Dr. Jiro could be heading. And she says that his laboratory was rumored to be in North City. But no one's actually ever seen it. So Piccolo says we're going to fight and uh, destroy the androids. And destroy Dr. Jiro before he has a chance to activate them. Gohan will take Bulma and Yajirobe back to uh, back to the city and check on Goku. Piccolo's one says, no one touches those androids. I want them to be activated so I can fight them and destroy them. Piccolo or Vegeta? Uh, oh, sorry. Vegeta says that. Vegeta says that he actually wants to destroy the androids with, with his own hands. Because the old guy and the fat one weren't worth his time. Trunks says, no, don't do that, you idiot. Don't underestimate the androids. We have to wait for Goku. Or, or destroy the androids before they're activated. Uh, this is where we get more cocky Vegeta. He says, <laughs> We don't need to wait for Kakarot. Can't you see? I'm a Super Saiyan. As a Saiyan Prince, I must be more powerful than he is. I need no one. And he flies off. Uh, Piccolo says he is a Super Saiyan. And, he's, and he was managed to destroy those destroy Android 19. He just might be the most powerful person alive to fight the androids. Trunks calls crap on that and says, I don't care. I'm a Super Saiyan too. But I was still power, powerless. That's how strong they are. He may be a fool, but I won't let my dad die. So he flies off. Bulma actually hears him say, did he say dad? What, were his, his, was his father killed by the androids as well? And Piccolo says, okay, there's no, there's no use for this ruse anymore. <laughs> his father is Vegeta, yes. He's that baby in your arms growing up. He is your son. So uh, Krillin, Gohan, and Bulma all freak out. <laughs> and they actually, we actually get a shot of little baby Trunks' face, which is always funny to compare to actually older Trunks' face. So, he has like, a little tuft of purple hair. I know. <laughs> she says, well, I was worried that you were going to grow up to look like your father. So, uh, Gohan flies them, flies them away from the battle, while Piccolo, Tien, and Krillin fly after Vegeta to find Dr. Jiro. Dr. Jiro uh, is running away and says he needs to find the, uh, his lab and activate his androids, although he really, really, really does, doesn't want to do that. But he sees the Z, Z fighters fly ahead of them. He recognized that the person he blasted was Bulma, who is the heir to the Castle Corporation, and does know that Dr. Briefs actually knew him, so, which is actually kind of a funny tangent. So he needs to get to the, his lab and activate the androids before the Z Fighters destroy them, and flies uh, incognito. While they're all flying, Trunks uh, is following Vegeta, and thinks back to what his mom, how his mom described his father. She says that he was sort of a douche. And um, he was he's probably is in hell now that he's dead, but there were some good qualities about him, and he did care about them. Trunks says, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. He didn't try to save my mom or me. He's evil through and through. So uh, we see uh, Vegeta go to Mon saying, what's wrong, boy? Why don't you go home? 
and try to, you know, outfly him because he's Super Saiyan. And Trunks powers up and follows him as a Super Saiyan as well. And Vegeta says, oh, that's right. He is a Super Saiyan. Of course he is. He's my son after all. So uh, He little, accepts him then. Says, oh, yeah, he can go Super Saiyan. <laughs> little fatherly pride there. Misbegotten fatherly pride. But uh, pride nevertheless. So we come back to the good guys. Tien, Piccolo, and Krillin. They arrive in North City, which is mainly a town surrounded by mountains and lots of winds. <laughs> Krillin actually complains that it's way too cold. And, uh, <laughs> which actually I liked. And uh, uh, Tien says, I'm cold too, Krillin. We just got to ignore it. And Piccolo says, humans are so inconvenient. All right, let's just, let's just find this guy. So while everyone arrives in North City around the same time, but they're all separated, Dr. Zero does uh, run into Krillin and beats him up a bit, but learns that his, his uh, lab is close by, so he just he keeps from killing Krillin and says, you get to save execution, little man, but only for a little while. Krillin powers up to give them the signal that he's found the laboratory while Dr. Zero actually walks in. They arrive, but they're too late as Dr. Zero's locked the door, and they're trying to, to burst the door down. So it's here where Zero... Uh, no, they arrive, and, pick, and Krillin tells him, oh, yeah, he's already in there. Oh, oh yeah. What? <laughs> he's like, great, we managed to beat him, in, beat him in the nick of time. Actually, he's kind of already already walked in. And Pickle's like, damn it, Krillin! <laughs> you had one job! <laughs> so, um... So, uh, Dr. Giro, you know, with his one arm, and his, you know, <laughs> his brainy little head, walks towards, and we see uh, several capsules. We see uh, that the number 19 capsule is already open, but we see 17 and 18 still closed. He says, I really don't want to do this, but I don't have any choice. I must activate them so they can def- uh, defend me and destroy Goku's friends. So we see him press a button, and out comes uh, a teenager-looking kind of guy with um, a kneecap green socks, which is an odd fashion choice, a utility belt uh, along with a regular belt, a gun, uh, ripped jeans, a long sleeve shirt with a short sleeve shirt over, uh, over that, the red ribbon symbol on his chest, and a, an orange bandana around his neck. And, um, really cold-looking evil eyes. This, uh, this is number 17. He takes one look at Dr. Giro. Takes one look at the, the switch he has in his hand and says, Good morning, Dr. Giro. How is my master? It's, ah, oh, I was very surprised to hear you call me that. Of course, you're my creator. So Dr. Giro says, ha, oh, thank God. They're not evil. They're not trying to kill me. They're actually well-behaved. Looks like I finally fixed those bugs that were in their programming. So he awakens number 18, and 18 is a blonde young girl with a skirt, uh, leggings, uh, brown boots, and um, a blue jacket with uh, the sleeves cut off, very 80s. Uh, she exchanges a look with 17, then looks at the switch in Dr. Giro's hand and obliges just like 17 did, greeting him with well manners. So he says, I'm really surprised you guys are talking to me like this this way, but it's good because Goku's friends are at the door and you need to kill them so we can kill, kill Goku. They're like, yes, sir, we understand. And as uh, Trunks and Vegeta arrive, and they're about to destroy the door, this is the point where Seventeen actually takes the switch from Dr. Shiro and swears that they'll never uh, make us fall asleep again, old man. So Dr. Shiro is arguing with Seventeen and Eighteen you know, to obo- obey him. So apparently he sucks as a, as a scientist because he actually didn't fix their personality. Um, so at this point, Vegeta destroys the door, and... Um, they are greeted by the actual androids, which are from Trunks' timeline. So these are the correct ones. Jero uh, says, "Don't let them. Don't let these characters ca- catch you off guard. They killed Number Nineteen. They're about to kill me." Seventeen says, "Number Nineteen? Who's that? Did you make another android f- from scratch? Not from humans? Was he an, uh, was he an energy absorption model?" And Doctor Jero's like, "Maybe." 
Um, <laughs> it's at this point where uh, number 18 is just walking around, looking around the laboratory and says, oh, look what we have here, number 16. He's, he's not like us, is he? And we didn't know you made him. Chuck starts freaking out because he had never fought a number 16 in his timeline. So the future screwed up again. So 17 is like, okay, this is interesting. Wake him up, 18. Dr. Giroux screams, you mustn't do that. You'll destroy the entire world. He's a failure. He's failed programming. You'll kill us all. And number 17 is like, okay, if he's a failure, then how is he going to kill us all? You know, I'm the most powerful android you've ever created. So, uh... Dr. Jiro is uh, blabbing and blabbing. He says, please don't destroy him. Please don't wake him up. Please don't wake him up at all. Obey me. Don't just don't press that switch. And as it's at this point that uh, 17 puts his hand right right through the back of Dr. Jiro's chest and then kicks his head off. Whoops. So uh, he kicks his head off. His head off. His head rolls towards Krillin. And right in front of Krillin, number 17 just jumps and steps on it and crushes it in one fell swoop. Well, well. Not the sort of place I'd expected to find you three, but it'll have to do. Look, he's back, but what on earth did you do to your hair? You'll find out what soon enough. Your leaving all of a sudden got me curious, I'll admit. Where is your destination? Goku's house, wherever it is, to kill him. Just as I thought, but you're never going to get there. Because I, Vegeta, shall crush you here and now. (laughs) Funny, was it? (laughs) Go right ahead, laugh it up while you can. Hey guys, Vegeta seems to be pretty cocky, doesn't he? It must be a Saiyan thing. They always talk such a big talk, and then they end up dying so fast. It's a shame. You shut your mouth, you disrespectful toy! I'll rip you all three to pieces. Who's first? You, boy? Or you? Or the big bastard? Or maybe I'll just demolish all three of you in a single go! Or maybe you'll die. What did you say? Go on. I want to see how strong you are. Sixteen, you're up. Negative. The big one's not as stupid as he looks. <laughs> he sees how deadly I am. Why is he taking a pass? I really don't get him. Okay, Mr. Hotshot. Let's play. Just you and me. Gladly. But don't assume I subscribe to the Earth's idiotic notions of chivalry. But you're not a female, are you? No, not anymore. You're merely a thing. Vegeta is confident, but what sort of terrible power hides behind number 18's unassuming exterior? So that's Jiro dead. Um, he and 18 are about to about to awaken in number 16. When Trunks loses it, <laughs> turns into a Super Saiyan, shoots his hands right in front of everybody, basically, and blasts at 17 and 18. Krillin says, head for the hills, and they all jump away, avoiding the blast and surviving. The energy blast did nothing because the androids are, are still intact. Not the worst for you, not even a scratch on them. And they proceed to awaken number 16. Number 16 is a very tall, like burly looking android with a mohawk, orange hair, earrings, and this green armor with, with stockings and boots. And um, forearm warmers for some reason. He kind of looks like, he, he like Raccoon to me, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Uh, so Chunks, like a skinnier, less goofy-looking Raccoon. Yeah, he he doesn't look as as goofy as Raccoon. He looks a little bit more taken seriously, but he does have that mohawk. Um, when was this written? <laughs> uh, so Chunks is worried because he's never he doesn't know what to expect from this android. Uh, seventeen, eighteen say so. We don't know anything about you. Tell us about tell us about yourself. But he doesn't respond. And seventeen asks, "Were you created to kill Goku too?" And he says, yes, I was. So he only responds to whenever you talk about Goku. 
So Sevi says, I don't really want to follow our creator's orders, but we have nothing else to do. So let's let's fly to Goku's house to see if we can take him on. So they fly away, and Krillin's like, oh, thank God. They're not attacking us. We're still alive. Vegeta's acting really pissy, saying, who gives a damn? They, they ignored me. Ah, the Prince of All Saiyans, the fools. I'll fight them and win. So he turns to a Super Saiyan again. Trunks again flies right in front of him saying, please, don't don't take them on. We need to wait until Goku wakes up now that they've awoken. And says, you don't understand, do you? I don't hate the androids. I hate Kakarot. After I kill these androids, which he failed to destroy, I'll kill him. I'm the strongest in the universe. Now stay out of my way. And punches Trunks right in the stomach. What a dad. So uh, he flies off to follow the androids. And um, Trunks and the others fly right after them. They land on sort of like a... Uh, a, a trail, sort of, a, sort of like a, a roadside around the around a cliff, and um, Trunk Seventeen's uh, plan is to hijack a car so they can have a road trip to Goku's house to kill him. Um, Eighteen remarks, "You men, you, you and your cars, you're still part, you're still mostly human." And Seventeen is like, "Yeah, Sixteen knows what I'm talking about, right, big fella?" And Sixteen says, "No, I was created from scratch. I was created from nothing. I'm not made from a human." And Seventeen thinks, "Why did?" Why did Dr. Shiro go back to cybernetics? Why did he create me in 18 from, from, from human parts? At this, at this point, Super Saiyan Vegeta arrives and says, Well, 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 look at what we found here. <laughs> 17 is like, Hey, it's Vegeta! What, what did you do to your hair? I don't understand. It's because they weren't, they weren't programmed to know about Super Saiyans. So they said they're going to attack Goku, but Vegeta says, You're not going to get the chance. I'll kill you all right here. And uh, he challenges all of them. Uh, 17 tells for 16 to attack for him, but but uh, 16 says, no, I'm only going to fight Goku. So 18 says, whatever, whatever, I'll fight him. So she walks towards and says, and says, you know, I'll, I'll take you on, you're going to die. Vegeta says, I won't go easy on you just because you're a woman. Oh, that's right, you're not a woman anymore. You're a machine. And um, we have a fight on our hands, number 18 versus Vegeta. What's going to happen? Vegeta will lose. But we'll talk about that next month. Dum dum dum. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. So, in these episodes, we see the end of Dr. Zero and the birth of 16, 17, and 18. What you thinking? Things have really escalated. <laughs> that escalated quickly? Uh, they, well, compared to 19 and 20, they look, on one hand, they look less alarming, because obviously they're like they're little kids, essentially, two of them. But on another hand, I think that works, you know, that works well, because you wouldn't expect them to be so powerful. But obviously, the first thing out of the out of the gate is to kill Doctor Zero, and to you know take away his power to control them. And they said they don't they don't necessarily want to follow his his uh, instructions, but they have nothing better to do. So these people are completely chaotic. They don't have any objective to you know take over the world, or and they only want to kill Goku because well it's something to do. I like that. I like it's a nice change of pace because I don't know how old they actually are supposed to be. But you know they're they're young people essentially, and they really are like lackadaisical in their objectives. Objectives. They're like you know, let's find Goku, I guess, and then we'll find something else here. Let's let's take a car. They're not they're not destructive. They're not like you know, we'll kill everybody in sight. We're, they're not you know we'll take over the world. They're sort of the whole, their whole point. Their whole characters are basically looking for fun in the most random ways. Um, they differ from the future versions of the androids. But we'll talk about that later on. But um, what would you have thought if? Uh, if 19 and 20 were the only androids that the Z Fighters fought, how do you think that would have gone down? Like if the series had ended, or if the if the saga had ended? Um, 
maybe not so much at the saga that ended, but what do you think about 1920 like being the main villains that they would have to fight? Oh, uh, I don't know, I think, I think it's a good setup to have them be defeated and then this even bigger enemy kind of appear, but at the same time, that's a trope they've done before. Mm-hmm. With, you know, with Raditz and then, you know, there's more Saiyans. More Saiyans, what? Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, th- I don't think it's a bad, I mean, it's, it works, so you can see why it is a trope. Well, so I don't know how it would go if you only had two two androids. Um, these people, these guys seem to have more character than nineteen. Uh, oh yeah, they do. And and uh, Dr. Jarreau obviously sh- started to show more character, more human emotions as the his storyline went on. Well, uh, yeah, because he well he uh, Vegeta asked the question, you know, do you do you experience fear? And the answer is yes. Although Dr. Zero is, you know, probably mostly still human. Although, you know, it's weird because the biology of the androids, they mention 19, 20, and 16 are all sort of like cybernetic. Whereas, for the most part, 17 and 18 are really are basically human, which they don't really ever get into. But the idea is that they start out as human and, and Zero turned them into androids or cyborgs. It's it's really not well defined, but they're, they're, they're not like, you're never going to see them like, you know, be as uh, technical and mechanical as... as as a 19 was. Which, yeah, 16 to me is interesting because he's kind of a wild card here. You yeah. know, he's, he's not like the other two, so I don't know. You know, are they going to turn against him, or... I I don't know. It's uh, He's 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 very much more in the mold of 19. Yeah, yeah, they, they could. I mean, because he only has one... He, he legit, like, has orders to kill Goku. Um, which is, you know, why is he a failure? Why is he, you know... So yeah, you had those questions, and then what if you know they have other objectives? He's not necessarily going to follow them. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to want to. The only reason he's with them now is due to, you know, they're, they're sharing the same objective. Right, and <laughs> they have nothing special to do. Um, no, yeah, I think I think we just said wildcard that that puts it exactly. Um, it's it, I threw that question out to you whether nineteen and twenty were the only villains or not because what had happened is that uh, we talked a lot about how and, and the last saga how people assume that editor interference and editorial mandates kept the saga how it was and they assumed that originally the story was going to go very different uh, it's, it's funny because 19 and 20 were originally supposed to be the only androids that they went up against they were supposed to be like just you know those were the androids and um akira toriyama's editors took one look at these guys and says you gotta be kidding me so goku and pals fight a fat guy and 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 an octogenarian who runs around as a robot get back to the drawing board so uh, the whole reason why 16, 17, and 18 are even in the story is because the editors didn't like the idea that, that a fat guy and an old man were the villains for the, for the next several chapters or episodes or whatever. Like, like that's really? A, yeah, that's, hmm. a, that's a legitimate change. <laughs> so I wonder like, what they said when he said, okay, here you go, come back and it's two kids. <laughs> uh, it's funny you should mention that because I wonder if that's I wonder if that's like you know Toriyama kind of spiting them. Okay, you want you know you want a big bad threat? Here we go, two children. Well, it's, it, I'll, I'll get right into that because they didn't like that either. They they didn't like the fact that Toriyama went back to his office and came back with uh, three kids <laughs> or basically two kids and a, and a giant as the villains. He's like, so you went from an old guy and a fat guy to a couple of kids. So. <laughs> the, the editors this is actually the most inter- editorially interfered interfered uh saga in dragon ball z <laughs> and it starts now now is that is that why they include 16 as like a typical villain looking character 
I'm not sure with 16, because 17 and 18, at least right up front, are sort of the main focus. 16 becomes much bigger character in a little bit, but, uh, like, I'm not sure what they thought about 16, but 17 and 18, because they were sort of, like, the, the big bads. Uh, they just did it, they didn't like their designs. And I... And, and I think that's that's a shame because I love the designs of 17 and 18 uh, in comparison to uh, 19 and 20. I think they look really cool. I, I like the fact that um, I like the fact that they look like, for the most part, they look like normal people. Normal people, but their eyes are so cold and you know, like you know, evil looking, like sinister looking. It's uh, I I think I think Toriyama has actually really. I like the. I think that this is an instance where editorial uh. Man, editorial interference did the plot better because I automatically I kind of liked them better than 1920. 1920 were cool, but once once they started losing, they started just I don't know. There was there was sort of like they kind of fell into the whole typical villain mode where you know you can't defeat us. Oh wait, you can, and they sort of like yeah. into a trope. 1718, um, right up front they're they're shown to be you know, they're not evil. Well, they're, they're sort of amoral more than anything. And that's actually that actually uh, is a difference we'll get into between the androids of our present and the androids of Trunks' present or Trunks' future. Um, but I don't want to say any more of that. Um, but I find it interesting because it also it, it actually um, alters the plot because why do you th- we talked about it in, during the free cycle why do you think that the editors waited until uh, nineteen and twenty were actually into the story before they said we don't like these villains? I mean, doesn't doesn't it sound odd to you? So they, the story's already, like, created it, and he said, okay, hey, change this, you know, accommodate more androids. So it wasn't like he, he had, well, I, you know, we've already established that Toradama didn't have the longest lead time to make these stories, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, it seems like, okay, why, why would you have them already released and said, all right, it needs to be altered after the fact, like. That's, uh, that's a little odd. It's weird because, um. 20 and 19 appear at the very end of one of those episodes. And in the manga, they literally appear on the last page. Like like when we see, you know, uh, Yajirobe's ship blow up. It's like, what's going on? And then there's a full-page splash on the last page of one chapter where we see 19 and 20. So it's possible that, like, they didn't see the finished uh, chapter until the last chapter, or finished page until the last chapter or whatever. Or the pen- finished chapter until the last page, I should say. But you would, I would imagine that he would be giving them, like, um, storyboards and character design. Yeah, something. So, it is it is odd, and um, I mean I like I like nineteen twenty uh, as just sort of changing up the paradigm. But at the end of the day, I do like I mean they're they're not as in, the novelty sort of wears off with them like their energy absorption. That is sort of a trope that uh, that would have gotten old after after too long. So I'm I thought they did the most of it and they worked with it best because it wasn't there for so long. Um, but it it is weird that uh that the editors took their sweet time, you know, giving their <laughs> their their thoughts on Toriyama's story because like like I mentioned, they didn't like seventeen and eighteen either. They didn't like the idea that, that the villains were a couple of young idiots. <laughs> so um it's weird but I find it interesting that if that you know if that is a case of editorial mandate, it's probably the smoothest transition of editorial mandate that I've ever uh, seen. Yeah. Because a lot of times that will ruin a story. Most times it doesn't work out in favor of the story. I I was reading a blog uh, when I was getting some like images and media for for our podcast, and I remember seeing that um this one it's, it's called Dragon Blog, and this guy who uh, takes all these screen caps for the episodes, he did not like any of these Android Android Saga episodes because he thought that it was ridiculous that Frieza shows up after dying only to be killed by somebody other than Goku, 
and then only to introduce even more bad guys, which are which give way to even more bad guys. He like he hated the whole that whole bit of storytelling. Um, but I well, know, I have to I have to argue though. Like, well, if there's no bad guy, then what's the threat? I mean, would you rather Freezer just continue on being a threat for another you know saga, or would you rather introduce like one bad guy after Frieza and just kind of continue on from there? Right. At at some point, you know, threats have to be escalated. Do just to dramatic telling of a story. I agree. And granted, there's probably you know there's easier ways to go about it. Some some ways do seem a little a little cliched, but uh, I think it, overall it doesn't deter from the enjoyment of the, the saga so far. So far, I'm loving it. Really? Yeah, you're you're digging it right now. Yeah, like I said, I'm really digging the the whole sci-fi aspect of it, and it's it's a pleasant change from. The Namekian saga and the Freezer saga, which which were were very you know sci-fi, but it's I guess the locale and the atmosphere being on Earth with the rest of the fighters helps a lot to, towards that too. This is that was sort of like science fantasy, with sort of like science fiction. Yeah, and you've got them in the city, you know, which is already cool. You have them like hiding out in a mountain laboratory. It's it's new locale, so it doesn't it doesn't look and feel the same as it was in the Freezer saga. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did that because I totally agree. I, I'm digging this story. I mean, I've known the storyline for years. But, like, I really like reading and watching these episodes because I like the storyline. I like the fact that the Z Fighters prepared for a battle, basically overcame challenges and have to fight a new challenge. And this and it's sort of like we're watching where the plot takes them. I mean, that's that's how ma- basic storytelling is. But I think the, that Toriyama's uh, little, you know, uh, curveballs in terms of the storyline really work out well. One thing that like I I love about this entire arc is the idea that that history's changed from the timeline. I think that's the coolest aspect because Trunks comes back from the from the past, says you know this was happening in the future, but we can't count on what he says because things are changing left and right. Like you know more androids, uh, sixteen, you know nineteen and twenty with en- energy absorption, like like seventeen eighteen energy lasts forever. Like it's just. I think that it was it was a I think it's actually a really brilliant piece of storytelling to have somebody tell you what's going to happen and then have something to expect and then like just throw your curveball and have the character even say, Well I don't I didn't see this coming. I didn't I don't know anything about this. And it really works well in the story's favor because originally in the manga, I don't know if this is in the episodes, but in the manga, when Trunks comes back to talk to tell Goku about the androids, he does call them nineteen and twenty. So <laughs> when he comes back and says there was no nineteen twenty in my in my timeline that's that's a that's a very subtle yet very direct uh, example that history has changed, which I think is which, which I think is actually really cool in a creepy sort of way. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things you won't miss. Yeah, I, I, like, I, if you miss it, you won't you won't know. But if you catch it, it's like oh, I get it. I, I didn't notice it for years, but yeah, like like he, like I mean, he doesn't describe them, but he says you know like they're not. He says they're nineteen twenty. They're two androids who killed their creator, Doctor Zero, and this. Dr. Zero did, bu- did die by the androids, but it was much later, and he turned himself into an android. It's like the little ripples in time, like a butterfly effect of him just showing up to kill Frieza. Because Trunks killing Frieza as opposed to Goku would change history somehow. I mean, granted, Frieza doesn't actually uh, uh, affect the androids, but it's a, it's a certain event in history. So um, Yeah, it's that butterfly effect situation. Absolutely. And I, and I really like the scene, like, you know, we pull out from the destruction of South City to Trunks' feet and says, you know, I'm too late. It's it's really, really good storytelling. I, I really I really dig it. Um, also, uh, in terms of uh, Trunks' return, oh, but did you? I'll just throw out. Did you expect Trunks to come back? 
Uh, I know he said he was going to. He's like, I'll be back to help. Oh, um, he did, didn't he? <laughs> but when he appeared, I was like, oh, okay, he, he is coming back. Cool. I didn't expect it to be um, when it was. I assumed he would come back much later mm-hmm. and kind of save the day. So I was like, oh, cool. That's I, I like that he's back because I like his character and I want to see more of him. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad I, they acknowledged, you know, acknowledged his relationship with Frieza. I mean, uh, Vegeta. Yeah, yeah. Here we do it again. No, yeah. No, let's get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was, I too, when I first saw it, was surprised that he came back. So he came back, like he he came back right at the beginning of the, at the fight, so to speak. But um, his yeah, his relationship with Vegeta is probably one of the more interesting parts about this uh, these episodes, and certainly this this. Uh, arc because he is i mean he is confronted right away with with how his father because he never really interacted with him besides you know not telling him who he was but now that he knows now that vegeta knows who he is trunks flat out like he just flat out calls him on on his douche douchebaggery um which i'm not sure i mean the characters comment on at, at times but no one ever really calls vegeta out on his on his personality so to have his son do that is, is a good bit of story i think if this weren't included it would be a, a big missed opportunity i'm glad that toriyama sort of capitalized on it now they have a, I guess it's technically a flashback from, from Trunks' perspective, but I'd be in the future from our perspective, right. of Trunks as a child and Boma working on something. Yes. And I, I think you're to, you're to assume that Vegeta is dead at that point because she's telling him about him. Yeah, he's dead. As like, if, he's, yeah. yeah. He died. And she says that, yeah, she says that. Uh, you know, he was a he was a focused man. He was a determined man, but he he was he also loved us. Um, now I'm wondering, you know, is she just gonna is she lying to her son to to make him feel better about his father, his lineage, or is she does Vegeta or did Vegeta do something in the did his ways change in the future? Did he show his love to them at some point? You know, that's that's kind of thing. Now I'm wondering, you know, are we gonna see that? You know, is that changed for the worst or for the better? Due to the altered timeline, you know. Absolutely, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything, but like, yeah, like the idea of Vegeta's character being kind is, <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, is showing some type of love. You know, he's he's shown a, a inkling of pride for his son for being Super Saiyan. But other than that, he doesn't really seem to care. He even flat out says he doesn't care. Well, I mean, it's brilliant because we we see Trunks think back to when he was talking to his mom and say, you know, well, you know, he didn't show much kindness, but I could tell there was in, in him. We see this directly after that Vegeta completely ignored that the android got away by blasting at at his uh you know at Bulma and Baby Trunks, and and Trunks says you know you didn't save your wife or son, and and Vegeta like says yeah I didn't. <laughs> are they oh, so they they are married? Uh, the manga says they are, and like later on, I know like in the Boo Saga, they, like Vegeta says they are. I don't I don't think they're married right now, but I don't know when they, when they ever get married. But because uh, like, Trunks said that they, they didn't in his timeline, but uh, like th- that's how he's so at some point. At some point, Bulma, tie, you know, chains him down. It's really. I would say that they're not now, but it's it's just confusing because I, I can imagine Vegeta. Because Vegeta was still concentrated on becoming a Super Saiyan. I, don't, I can't see him going through the rigmarole of being in the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Who would his best man be? God. <laughs> that's a great question. The turtle. <laughs> the turtle. <laughs> For no reason. No, yeah, but um, what do you think about this sort of like uh, character character turn in Dragon Ball Z that we have like, you know, this sort of... We, we talked about Goku's feelings as a father, but he and Gohan get along great. <laughs> Vegeta doesn't with Trunks. So like, what, what do you think about this sort of like drama introduced in Dragon Ball Z? 
Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, you can compare the two. Like, the two Saiyans are now fathers, so. And, I mean, to look at Vegeta from when he introduced the series to now, it's like, what, a four-year time skip? And it's like, wow, okay. It's tackling a lot of issues that you wouldn't expect it to. Like, I, I definitely didn't, you know. I knew, okay, this is so-and-so's father, and this is so-and-so's, but... Okay, they're actually gonna. Okay, what, like you're watching it, and it's like, wait a minute, they're they're acknowledging that. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those like you, it doesn't it doesn't bring the story down. It doesn't uh, grind it to a halt and make you think. Okay, they're they're you know screaming at you about family issues here, but it does add some more context and, and like subtext to the story. Absolutely. Yeah, it really, it really works well, and. Um, I think it's fun because Trunks is introduced. You know, he's a, he's a good guy. We don't we don't see him develop. He's already like you know a ready-made ally to the fighters, to Z fighters. But I think if he didn't have this, he would almost be kind of. It has it has another layer to Trunks that I think we really 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 like to see because him being related to Vegeta gives him a lot of potential for, as a character and have him you know being raised by Bulma you know and you know, somebody from Earth and being confronted with Vegeta's whole. I think Vegeta says at one point, you know, what's with you? If you're part Saiyan, you should be glad that, that these androids are, you know, are ready to fight or whatever. And so it's, it's totally, he's totally anathema to Vegeta's line of thinking because he's not, he didn't grow up on planet Vegeta. So it's, it's, it's good stuff. I really, I really enjoy it. There's a scene where, uh, there's this interesting scene where um, uh, Goku was shown to be at, at, at his house, you know, having conniption fits because of his heart virus. And uh, Oh yeah, it shows that they've, that they've given him the medicine. Right. And, uh, I think it's Chi-Chi and Yamato just kind of watching, you know, at his bedside and hoping that he gets over it. <laughs> Unkind fans would say that this is the point where Chi-Chi and Yamato would, would acknowledge their affair since Gohan looks just like him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I won't be doing that. Um, I think I already mentioned uh, the fact that um, androids, androids 17 and 18 are basically human, which is weird to me. Like, how much of this does? How much of this do you think of like Terminator or Back to the Future, or whatever, in terms of time travel? Because to me, I, I find I find it interesting that like Toriyama kind of picks and chooses exactly what specific types of androids are created. You know, because when, when I think when you think of androids or or cyborgs or artificial humans, they, they actually don't have a real distinct name. Depends on the translation, but um, like you think of robots, and you know, like you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was total machine underneath the skin, which number 19 and 20 are but I can tell you that 17 and 18 are you know basically humans with with superpowers it's kind of weird yeah I think a a better a more apt name for 17 18 would be cyborgs since they are humans with at least some mechanical points androids I believe are entirely metallic or entirely mechanical artificial artificial yeah Uh, mechanical yeah they're steam powered Um, (laughs) steampunk and you could say the same for 16 being, like, an actual android. But it's it's all, like, I mean, it's... Some people will describe some in some other ways. So some people describe others. I did get a, a Terminator vibe with Trunks going back in time. You know, the, the lone human going back in time. Um, <laughs> but I think, that, I think that just permeates so much time travel stories nowadays. Right. That you, you, can't, you can't think of one without the other. Do you think, do you think like, science, like, time travel... Like from Terminator and from other stories, were so much in the culture when he wrote this that that kind of influenced it. Well, around this time, oh, well, let's see. I have uh, the volumes actually show the dates that th- when they originally started out. 
Um, this this was around 1991, 1992 when this first came out. <laughs> yeah, so the same year Terminator 2 came out. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> You think America did at that point didn't really know about Dragon Ball Z, otherwise, otherwise, somebody's getting sued. Um, well, it's actually because I mean I'm I'm not like I mean I actually saw Back to the Future for the first time last week, and um, Terminator. What? Z- yeah, I, I knew I was gonna get I was gonna get hell over that. Do you watch all three of them? I've seen the first one. I'm I'm gonna see the, the, the next two soon. But uh, first one's the best. But they're all good. Yeah, that that's like the holy bible of time travel. Okay. It, what what I like about that is that like there are there are specific changes in the future from what uh, Mar- uh, Michael J. Fox does in the past, like like to to, to vaguely spoil the ending, but um uh, that's why everybody's not seen the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, for for the rest of you know for the no one else who's not seen the movie now that I've finally seen it, I was the last person on the planet. Um, but that's that's the kind of cool thing here because um. I find it interesting that, like, I mean, obviously, since he's coming from the future, he can interact with his past self, but there's that thing in Back to the Future where that'll create a paradox if you run into yourself or something like that, which they don't actually bother with here. So there, there are different rules, and there are different, like, I mean, I, I think Toriyama's sort of pulling from all, all tropes, because I know those, those movies were in the 80s, but um, it's interesting how he applies it to Dragon Ball Z, because I think he still kind of throws it some curveballs in terms of how the androids are or cyborgs or whatever are sort of constructed, and in which ways would you imagine? Because I don't think that Trunks' actions directly influenced Doctor Zero to make more androids than he was thinking about. You know, like he, he, it's not like you know Trunks landed on on the planet, and then Doctor Zero all of a sudden got the brainwave to say, "What about number sixteen or what number 19? So it's interesting how random the changes are, as opposed to sort of like logical. Yeah, it's like it's not a it's not a easy. To like, you've got step one and step eight. It's not like you could pinpoint exactly where one through seven would be, or two through seven would be. It's like, okay, it's all over the map here, the changes that have been made. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and this is this is not the last time we'll be talking about this. In fact, it actually gets even crazier and possibly more confusing and deeper uh, in our next episode, uh, which is why I like it. I like I like that the term was really messing with the plot. I think this is actually some of the best plotting uh, DBC has, because it draws in the past and actually really uh, works well towards his future. <laughs> I have you now, and I won't let you go until your energy is completely drained. <laughs> <sighs> Fight all you want. You cannot escape. You don't say. Well then. <laughs> <laughs> Focus on keeping your grip! Fascinating! So you really do absorb energy through your hands. Then you add what you steal to your own stockpile of reserve strength. You cannot escape! Yes, keep that grip for all you're worth! Don't let go!
So this is the little power sapping node in question. I think you've had enough pilfered goods. You've siphoned all the strength for me you're going to. Odd reaction for an android. So you really do feel fear. You stop! Wait your turn! Once the fat one's marked off my list, you're next! <laughs> What's he doing? Feast your eyes on Super Vegeta's Big Bang Attack! <laughs> and I believe that might be it. That's it. I think that's it for me in terms of notes. Anything else for you? That's all I've got. Okay. So uh, let me bring up the schedule before we announce the month of March's <laughs> March Madness, as we'll call it. <laughs> okay. For um, March 2013, we will talk about Dragon Ball Z Kai episodes 65 through 68. Dragon Ball Z original episodes, 136 through 141, and the Dragon Ball manga chapters, oh, sorry, Dragon Ball Z manga chapters, 158 through 166. Those are the episodes for next time. Vegeta versus number 18, how will he lose? And uh, what's going to happen to Goku? Plus, is there a mysterious enemy that's even greater than the androids? No. Or is there? I don't know, but we'll find out and talk about it in the month of March. So, any final thoughts, Jesse, before we wrap up this month? Bring in those emails. Hey, there we go. Z-mail us about uh, Valentine's, I suppose, or I guess uh, any fights. Valentine's. What would Vegeta get Bulma for Valentine's Day? <laughs> or if he even knows what that is. <laughs> any time travel quandaries you may have? No. Yeah, any plot inconsistencies that you'd have with the time travel, or any time travel questions in general, please, let's get this discussion going. Um, yeah, okay, that will be it for us so uh, until the month of March thank you for listening to The Next Dimension we will see you guys next time adios thank you for listening to The Next Dimension a Dragon Ball Z podcast you can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.lipson.com or write in for emails at dbznextdimension at hotmail.com if you like what we're doing please send in feedback at iTunes or like us on Facebook Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z Dragon Ball GT and Dragon Ball Kai are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Next time on The Next Dimension, we will cover Vegeta vs. Number 18, The Time Machine, and Kamisama's Vision. See you soon.
Open the chamber. If they set that android free, it will be the end of all of us! Now!